Yes, yes, and more yeses. It's a Monday. It's Double Deuce, the 22nd of February. I couldn't be happier to be back in Studio Kitchen, Colorado with you as we regain with Juan Padro. Juan, up, man? it's good to see you. Good to be here. Man, Again. I got a lot of thank yous for you. <laughs> Holding course. it down while I was gone. Yeah. Three weeks I've been gone. You held it down for two weeks. And also I have to thank Jay Parker. He did such a great job when we were gone, when awesome. I was gone too. And then also Dion Roberts from Rocky Mountain Food Report came and did a show as well. So awesome. you did such great work. Next segment, we're going to talk about that COVID bandit coming up right now. Awesome. And Chef Troy Gard, let's get right to it. Uh, first of all, Chef Troy Gard, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on, as always. Look at that blue sky behind you. You know what? Uh, last week, when I think it was minus four degrees, uh, we got on uh, vacation rentals in Palm Springs, and we had to get out of there. And then we had such a great time that I flew back Saturday, grabbed the kids, and uh, brought them back out on Sunday. And we were spending two weeks out here in Palm Springs. It Look. sounds like Ted Cruz. I know, right? <laughs> except, <laughs> well, except you're Troy, not Troy, quite as bad as that. Troy is now, a, you know, he's an official Texan now, right? Because he does <laughs> yeah, us, uh, You were allowed to leave, though, you know, and, and well-deserved, too. What a year it's been, and it's good to see smiles on your face. And why not have a smile? I want you to set this up because we have the gentleman on with us. He's uh, named endearingly the COVID bandit. Yes. But you, you think of that name, and if you don't know anything about it, you're like, what, is he bringing us COVID? Is he taking <laughs> it away? Yeah. Uh, what is it? But he joins us now, the two and only uh, COVID bandit. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys today? Hey, we're good, too, and it's good to see you as well. Okay, Chef, would you set this up? Because I saw a post that you put on your Facebook, and when you get success stories like this that bring joy to everybody, you have to talk about it and you have to share it. So go ahead, sir. You know what? I can't even believe there he is in the flesh. I have to thank you, sir. Um, you just blew our staff away. Your kindness and generosity and your humility and just, I, again, I can't thank you enough. And uh, uh, I was out here with my, with my wife and uh, was getting blown up texts from staff members and managers. And it was like, holy cow. So I didn't know you were going to have him on today, Greg. You are a good... Uh, that's all Jay uh, Parker. Detective uh, work. <laughs> and uh, again, thank you, sir. I mean, my staff is just so ecstatic. And the people who have been helping out through this last pretty, pretty much year almost, um, so eternally grateful. I know Juan, uh, you know, can probably speak the same, but I'm, I'm kind of speechless. He just blew us all away, man. Thank you so much. Blew you away with what, Chef? What did he do? Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know if you guys had cash or credit card, but he dropped a ton of money, $200 per staff. I think the total was close to $6,800 or $7,000. What? And just came in, got That's out, and said, COVID sucks, and I want to help out you hardworking, front-of-the-line, uh, amazing cooks, hosts, servers, bartenders, oh. uh, everybody and just blew us out of the water. I mean, your generosity, I mean, giving cash like that uh, to all the employees, they were just on cloud nine. Some were dancing, some were uh, hugging each other, some were crying, it was, it, was, it was awesome. The COVID bandit, I heard about you, and, and then to my uh, 
disarray, he shows up right at our restaurant at prime time, I think like eight or nine o'clock at night when the restaurant was as full as we could have with 50% capacity. Well, it was between you or a pizza joint, so you got the good flip of the coin. Well, I'm glad. I hope I was, uh, it doesn't matter, heads or tails, but I came out prevailing. And uh, like I said, I mean, you're, you're, the, the way you've been doing this and getting around town and doing your thing and staying on the cover is even cooler and so amazing. Yeah, I got to tell well, you, you're the first person with a Yankees hat on that I'm going to thank for anything being a Red Sox <laughs> fan. But, but uh, that's a pretty amazing thing that yeah. you're doing. I can speak uh, certainly for a lot of other folks in the industry. That, that didn't just uplift, uh, you know, Troy's group. It, I think just in general, it gave everybody a lift just seeing somebody going out there and caring and doing something like that. So, um, you know, it, it has an impact far beyond uh, the four walls of Troy's restaurant. So you should know that as well. Well, uh, my main message is, is that anybody can be the bandit. Uh, we're already dressed for the occasion. So right. all you yeah. have to do <laughs> yeah. uh, is just make that mental decision and uh, you're the bandit. I, I'd like to think I have 330 million fellow bandits already there. Uh, here in the United States, so uh, it it just takes the thought and just the also the wisdom. I've had every job at a restaurant, and there's a long chain of people besides the person standing by the side of the table to put that smile on your face. That's that's derived from a lot of people. Uh, Troy, I have to tell you though, I had no idea, seriously where I was going. You uh, didn't? Wow. Me? You no, did not it, at all. No, a friend had just recommended it to me at lunch. And I said, okay, and that was it. I, I don't research. I don't. I just go by word of mouth. So uh, a friend mentioned it at lunch, and we were talking about pizza. I said, oh, I just had pizza yesterday. So <laughs> I didn't have any idea what I was going into. And uh, I will say, though, uh, you have a COVID bandit award. Uh, I had no idea your staff was that large, but my. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, does this guy know how many employees we have working at, at this time? I didn't. But I, I, just, I just summed it up in my head. I go, well, I guess this is kind of a diet plan for me because I'm going to just say this is like five restaurants in one. <laughs> so, now, I, I may have missed it because I was just, you know, so much going on in my head. But what restaurant was this? It was Garden Grace. Yeah, he did it on know. Saturday night. Saturday or Friday night? One of those. Uh, Friday Sunday night? Uh, Friday night. Friday night. I yep. saw it on Sunday, so it had to have been Saturday, yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I yeah. could. Uh, no. How much wine did you have, Bandit? <laughs> Bandit doesn't drink. <laughs> All right, even better. Oh yes, consciously making these decisions, amazing. That's right. So uh, you know, we have to ask a few questions. You, this isn't the first place that you've done that. And if you're just tuning in right now, we've got Chef Troy Gard on with us right now. Juan Padro co-hosting with me. We've got the COVID Bandit, just a we're a gem of our community. 
Yeah. He's ours. Thank you so much. How long have you been doing this? Why have you been doing this? And we'll ask a few more questions, but let's just start there. Well, I started when COVID started, but I didn't have the moniker of uh, COVID Bandit. One restaurant owner gave that to me, uh, came up, he, he said, sir, do you, do you realize you're the first person in my 30 plus career to tip the servers, I mean, not the servers, but the dishwashers, uh -huh. the bus people, the hostess people. And I said, well, no, I didn't. And uh, I just said, I know I've had those jobs and I never got a tip. <clears throat> and so common sense tells me uh, that the cooks and servers aren't the only ones without a job. So I just thought that was uh, something that. And you said um, you were in the restaurant industry, so you know what it takes from top to bottom, side to side, uh, what it takes to do that type of job. And uh, just like all the healthcare workers and uh, uh, grocery store people and, you know, the servers out there and the people in the restaurants, I mean, we love what we do. We're putting ourselves out there every day. So thanks for recognizing that and really going seriously above and beyond and just blowing everyone out of the water. Your generosity is is just amazing. This shit's amazing. Is this a well, monthly thing? Is it a weekly yeah. thing? What is it? It's um, when he's feeling you never it. Know. I literally never know. There's no plan. Uh, <laughs> and I never know where I'm going to be in the United States. The, like I say, the, the, the bandit name, it, I, I got semi-busted only, what was it, guys, like four weeks ago. We had you on the so, show. So although it's new news to you, it's old hat to me. <laughs> the bandit has hit virtually coast to coast. That's awesome. Uh, my, my typical deal is just uh, I, I dart before they even know what happens and uh, I'm gone. That's it's fantastic. The, uh, it doesn't matter who I am, what I do, where I live. It's not the message. It's not the point. Dude, this guy's like Batman and Superman all rolled up into one, man. I know. In, <laughs> Amazing. A, in a flannel. So, so, <laughs> yeah, so you don't live in Colorado? No. Where do you live? Everywhere. Somewhere on the East Coast, it looks with the Yankees hat, but like, yeah. <laughs> he truly is a superhero. That's fantastic. Uh, now, I have some uh, superhero. Uh, uh, I'm a hero of the Yankees and uh, uh, old school Yankees. And, uh, but uh, I, I have lived on the East Coast. I've lived on the West Coast. I've lived in L.A., uh, uh, up and down California. Uh, I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived in the Midwest. You could probably tell by my accent. <laughs> um, I, I get around. All right, I'm looking for clues in the background there. He's got a nice plant there. Are <laughs> you at sunshine. home? Sunshine. <laughs> Are you at home? Oh, no. I, I, I'm not. You're not at home. Not, the band is not stupid. Are you kidding me? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Total classless questions, but somebody's thinking it. How but much? The band, 
Tangent, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but Tangent has been fortunate to have some bandito friends that put me up when I traveled. That's awesome. And, I, and I'd like to do a shout out to them because they they helped me do this. And uh, I can go and do my thing. And uh, whether I'm coming down out of the high country in middle America here or east or west coast or whatever, I hope to be heading to the west coast soon. No, come on back here. Come on back here to Denver. <laughs> oh, uh, you can't beat Colorado, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. In fact, I'd like to make a little announcement and see if Troy could help me out. Uh-oh. Sure. I've come up with an idea to do something like the Colorado cook-off, but have a spin on it. You know, everybody does these cooking shows, this and that. Well, I'd like to also have some fun and games with um, the dishwashers, the, uh, the, the, the people that bring the meals to the table, the yeah. expediters, the hostess. I want to get a hostess on a hostess stand and see how many reservations she can take in five minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, see how many dishes a dishwasher can do. Have I a challenge it. at that. We have prizes, and of course we get all your good cooks out there and they just come up with something creative and uh, but include everybody if it doesn't include anybody it's it's uh it, it's you know i just think it's more fun I we, we, need, we need all sure. levels the restaurant game. i think juan's shaking his head saying yeah that's a fantastic idea i i, I this dilemma happens usually weekly, if not monthly for us, it's like we want to run contests and have prizes and <clears throat> let people win stuff. But it always seems it's always front of the house, front of the house. Like, mm -hmm. you know what? A great server makes a fantastic tip, not just on their service, but was that steak or burger or salad or everything prepared precisely? Was that dishwasher on it, the manager, the host, the busser? You're, you're right. It, it takes a team. It sure does. Yeah. Right. That, that's my history. <clears throat> My uh, family history I've learned from day one is uh, uh, to be a team player. It takes a village. It takes a team. Everyone has their, their strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses, just yeah. as I do. Well, we but, have to, uh, we have together to we can again. pull it together. And how fun would that be up in the, in the beautiful Rockies and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, have all, I can just imagine all, I'm a very creative person. I can just imagine all types of fun and, and get people out in the fresh air, get out, get out of the cities and the COVID mess. I, I'd really like to drop the, the COVID part of the bandit because to me that has more of a, more of a negative connotation than, than bandit. Well, when we uh, had you on the show last, sir, I think you were in uh, Estes Park, Colorado, and there was a, another restaurant that you touched there, and some young ladies came on the show and were just astonished by your generosity as well. And I mentioned that point, the COVID bandit seemed a little evasive to me at the time. So Jay and I brainstormed some names. One of the names that I came up with was, um, what, Jay, what was the name that you came up with? Oh, God. Mine was The Daymaker. Because you make people's days, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think if we do a collective brainstorm together, we could come up with a pretty cool name for you. But uh, one thing does stand right now. 
uh, you're a hero in our books. And it's just one of those things when you can bring joy to anybody's life, and um, you've done that. So we can't thank you enough. Well, it's not about me. It's it's about uh, people in need, and uh, it's it's just flipping the light switch in your head and and taking action. Uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of sick of the news and hearing a lot of pit opinions, and uh, never see any action. So, you know, if anybody's been around the block once or twice, if you want to get something done, you go do it yourself. Just start. Yeah. Well, I love it. And uh, I have to say, Mr. Bandit, COVID, CV, or CB, um, I posted that on Saturday night late, like around nine o'clock, whenever you hit. And I think by morning time, there was there was already like a thousand comments or posts or shares. It was it was like taken off. I had a buddy yesterday from Florida said, oh, my God, it's like getting some traction. And I just think that's so incredible. Obviously, you're you're you don't want to take fame and claim to it, which I admire as well. But you know what? These acts of kindness, I think, get into people's minds, and it's like, okay, I don't have seven thousand to give, but you know what? I I have a thank you. I have a pat on the back. I have another extra dollar. I have things you know that I can do personally to make an impact, and that that's to me. One of the most important things, too, because I read some of these comments, not all of them. There were so many, but that's what people were so excited for. So thank you for instilling goodness. And I, I, again, I'm just lost for words because you were so uh, amazing. So just thank generous, you. Yeah. Well, thank you for the, the nice words. Not not needed at all. I had no idea that we that we're, there was that kind of response. Uh, when I tell you in the back country, I mean, I'm off the grid. <laughs> I have no water. Uh, Secret. I, I, I live off a wood stove. And... So you live with Ted Nugent up, up north, huh? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. No. You know uh, what I mean. He lives off the land, he says. I'm a rock and roller, so. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Ted. I, I don't follow you that close. Hey, what did, what did you eat at Garden Grace? Before we let you go, what did you eat at Garden Grace? Uh, oh, my gosh. They have this, um, you know, it's just from the recommendations. Is it uh, smoked squid? Oh, we had the grilled octopus. Grilled octopus. That's right. Grilled octopus. <laughs> It was so good. I, I'm a big uh, sushi fan, and I thought, uh, well, we'll see. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I was just shocked. In fact, uh, my friend and I, uh, I, w- I had taken him out to dinner. We were celebrating his uh, 16th year of sobriety, and uh, so we ordered two more rounds of did you really? <laughs> it was fantastic. That's great. That's great. And That's then awesome. We had, and then we had their special. He had a uh, a bone-in fillet. Oh, I didn't even know there was such a thing. I, I fried uh, chicken. They're delicious. Broccoli. Yeah. Oh my God, it's fabulous. But you know, I, I'll do anything. I I fried. Uh, Chicken drumsticks I had in the freezer last night, sprinkled a little Laurie's seasoning salt on there. 
<laughs> I'm a happy camper. So, all right, Mr. Uh, Bandit. Thank you so much. We're going to catch up with you soon, I hope. Uh, keep doing your thing and uh, rock and roll. I hope people take your lead. And stay in, stay in touch with your ideas. We'll throw them around and see if we can make some of that stuff happen for yeah, you. Yeah, no kidding. You deserve right, Real quick, please. Yes. I've, I've got a website thing coming out. If anybody wants to help out the COVID bandit, because the bandit's only one guy, uh, but uh, it will be a total transparent thing if people want to help do what I do, they are, and they're scared to go out to a restaurant still or whatever, and the COVID's coast to coast. And so they can help that way too. And so I'll, I will be announcing a, a website they can donate to if they want to, and it, it just goes straight through. I get Is no, the website made? No, I need help doing it. You oh, you need help. Okay, listen, we'll talk offline, but that's a great idea, too, because I think a lot of people would like to get behind. That's awesome, that man. Push. Thank you so much. Yeah, All right, no more announcements coming, too. Have me back. We, oh, All right. for sure, we will. Troy, you stick Let's around one ya. second. Thank you, Bandit. We'll see you later. Uh, I want to Thanks, a- COVID Bandit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Thank Troy. Thank you, sir. Chef, Thank you. It's um, good to see you, too, and obviously, with the looks behind it, you're not in Denver, Colorado. No. Which is uh, fantastic. And it's good to see that cool hat that you have. I, I That's need a Los Chingones hat, I think. I know. It's really cool. What's going on with you? I, and I was r- at Starbucks yesterday on my way to the airport. And my kids always eat the sausage, egg, and cheddar sandwich. I had to go to three different Starbucks. And then finally one person said, hey, there's a storm in Texas, so we can't get our traditional sandwiches so poor little guys we we couldn't eat at starbucks but uh one of the ladies said oh los chingones i've been there and then uh so i started talking to her and gave her a gift card and uh it's super cool that uh you know they had been to the restaurant but sweet no haircut still huh yeah not yet yeah <laughs> any updates on i what's think it's going- been about 10 months What's an update on what's going on with the restaurants? And I know you want to take off and go have some uh, relaxing leisure time with the family. Yeah, um, you know, well, obviously getting back open uh, early January helped out. And then the 50 percent was, uh, you know, I'm going to happily say for our group has been uh, amazing. And then uh, just waiting to get to springtime. And uh, we have put in for our PPP uh, second round, we should be getting that in the next week or two. So that'll be good. And, um, uh, Houston obviously got nailed last week. So we had to close over Valentine's day weekend. So that was kind of a bummer. And then some of our staff, uh, obviously lost heat and water and that sucked. So we worked, uh, down there and we, uh, handed out, um, meals to hospitality people, restaurants, hotels, and then we also gave to uh, a couple of the food banks. And, uh, you know, we had all the food sitting in our fridge. Might as well get it out to people who need it. So Mm -hmm. that's what we did. Man, never a dull moment, huh? I know, right? 300 reservations. Boom, canceled over Valentine's Day weekend. That's insane. Such a bummer. That's insane. But more than that, you know, the city of... Houston and Dallas and Texas just got rocked. I mean, they got knocked on their butt, and uh, I hope they're doing all right over there. 
How about downtown Denver? I know a lot of people have um, reformed their habits and have started going elsewhere. Are you seeing that people are getting back down as far as Garden Grace and really embracing the reopening and, and larger capacity? I'm going to have to say for us personally, everyone's been very supportive and helpful when it's been zero uh, seating. Obviously, we can only do so much uh, takeout. It seems like when we do zero seating, we do pretty good on takeout, but our bread and butter is, is uh, dining in. So when 25 and 50% uh, hit, uh, we usually do pretty well at all the restaurants. And some of the restaurants, and I'm sure Juan will say the same thing, have exceeded our expectations, if not uh, been on par to 2019 numbers. Uh, it's been crazy. Okay. Well, there you go. Looking forward to seeing you come back. And, people uh, are spending a little bit more. People are going out a little bit more. I mean, not everyone, right? I would say half the people are still staying home. Half are going out. But the, the half the people that are going out, they're, they're what I've seen, you know, hugely supportive and, and visiting us. I just had, you know, someone text me last night. They went to Garden Grace three times last week, you know. So, oh. obviously, they live in the vicinity. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. People are ready. I'm ready, too. Uh, thanks for taking the time out for us today. Yeah, man. It's good to see you, Troy. I'm glad things yeah, are going. Yeah, it was good that Juan, uh, I'm glad, Greg, you got a break. And uh, it was great seeing Juan. I, I watched some of those videos. Like I said, Juan, you're like the next Bob Barker, man. This guy's like, you're a pro. You're a natural, man. Yeah, well, we'll see. Okay. I, you know, I need a little more practice, but we'll see if I have enough time. You know, I'm not, it's not like I'm busy. I'm not busy. You know I know, saying? right? It's like oof, one thing after another. Well, right? thanks, Jay. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, yeah, Juan. Thanks to everyone listening, man. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep keeping the faith and uh, supporting everyone, man. It's, it's awesome to see. And the Hopefully, COVID. you know, at, I've got my good days and bad days, but when someone behind like you is ready to party. You're getting photobombed. Someone's ready to party behind you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah ready. he's ready to party. Yeah, we got we got all the kids. <laughs> Wait, are you are you gonna be cooking? Yeah, I got the grill tonight. We're gonna go get some. Uh, Good. Uh, there's a store here called Jensen's, and they've got awesome seafood. And uh, I saw some killer swordfish steaks there. I'm going to go buy some of those. Nice. Enjoy yourself, Chef. We'll see you soon. See you later, man. Be good. Enjoy Take your care, vacation. guys. Yeah, cool. Yep. Later. <laughs> COVID bandit. That's pretty amazing. Just yeah, coast to coast. I, I'm, I'm, I thought I was, he was a local guy. I did too. Yeah. But I don't think he knew what he was in for when he said $200 per employee because you think about, is it going to be a pizzeria well, tonight? That's, that's what I, that was my thought. Like <laughs> a pizzeria you, or Garden Grace. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, that was an expensive decision. Yeah, I don't know whether but he knew. you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't sound like uh, money was the object. It's more um, you know, just trying to do the right thing and lift people up. And you know, we need a lot more people like that. And it's not necessarily always just about money either. Yeah. It's just about doing the right thing, saying thank you, holding the door open. Um, just having nice things to say and, and, you know, just not being an asshole. That's so, what I was going to say. Sometimes yeah. it's just not being yeah, an ass. That's right. <laughs> that's, no asshole rule. <laughs> that's all 100%. you got to do. All right. I'm so happy Juan Padros here with us. We still have a big full show to go. Uh, we've got the Hesher food truck. Do you know what a Hesher is? No. What is a Hesher? <laughs> we're we're going to ask him. <laughs> Chef Jeff Jabot's here with yeah. us as well. And then we have Rob Bessett. And mm. Rob brought us some delicious Ursula beer, which we're enjoying right now. I'm drinking beer, which Cheers I rarely do. And then the Culinary Quick Start guys are here. Cool. They're I know those do, guys. Do, do, you like the, do you know how to make the perfect omelet? Somehow I think you probably do. 
You know, I, I, I would tell you that uh, I think I make a pretty good omelet. I am allergic to eggs now, so it's been a while, but um, I like a soft scramble a little bit more, but okay. let's see. Okay, and then, uh, gosh, it's good to be back. You did such a wonderful job when, got, when I was gone. I want to come back because there's, I watched every minute of every show that you did while I was gone. It was just great programming. It really cool. did. And I would, you know, say it would be a disservice to you and everybody else to say you held it down. No, you elevated the show. Which okay. was fantastic. I appreciate that. I'm yeah. not sure that's true. Well, there's a few things it. that I want to ask you about from right. some of the programming. We'll Sounds do that good. when we get back, and cool. then we'll jump on this food truck. I can't wait because I'm hungry. You're hungry. Okay, yes. cool. And Jeff and then can cook. That I know. Our resident doctor is going to join us to wrap up the show. I love it. And uh, Dr. Blanchett from Boulder Internal Medicine, Dr. Blanchett, will join us. And I've got some questions to ask because I think there's some good news that's been coming out here, and I want to just make sure that we're not dreaming, so I'll pinch you when Dr. Blanchett's on. Okay, <laughs> we'll right. take a break. We'll come right back. Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Greg Holland back. Um, Juan Padro. We'll be back in a flash. The Modern Eater Show continues. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumplin', for by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them. You're tasting them. You're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs> Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey 4-pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color, uh, with a dense tan head and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12%, so they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming, uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey 4-pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax and York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. Watching the Modern Eater, and now back to the show. Okay, back to the show with myself and Juan. I have to tell you before we uh, resume about Jeff Rourke and A Plus Beverage Solutions. Boy, this is the guy. I'm telling you, if you need a tap system installed, it'll be the tap system of your dreams. You go all around town, you're, you're drinking delicious craft beer, just like the brewer intended to taste. I'll bet you Jeff Rourke had his hands in it. He's a guy that can also do some maintenance for you. Maintenance is big. You've got, I've seen some tacky stuff in bars one That's where right. they're pouring it into pitchers and dishing the foam off and then into a glass. That's right. I, what, what does that do for your patrons to come and look at that and just say... It doesn't look good, um, and it's also really expensive. <laughs> you're not doing <laughs> so, yourself any favors, that's right? right? Yeah. Because if you're pouring inefficient beer, boys, what are you doing? You're pouring your money down the drain. <laughs> you're, pouring, you're wasting no it. Money. Don't waste it. I mean, go ahead and give Jeff Rourke a call. He can do the maintenance, he can do the installs, but he can also add a line, right? Water, wine, nitro, 
coffee, kombucha, whatever you can dream up that can get poured, Jeff Roar can do it. Uh, the Monarch Casino. I was up there just before I left, and I'll tell you what, he had football fields of glycol line, right? Football fields. Have kegs of beer in a line. That's a difficult proposition to have that beer come out and taste good. So no job too small, no job too yeah, you big. Need a good, you need a good guy for sure. Jeff Rourke can do that for you. Here's the phone number, 720-272-3809. Prank him. Just call him up and say, hey, Jeff, heard you're a family man. You're, you, you support the Modern Eater Show. You do so much for our community. Just thank him, too. But also do business with him. He's the most trusted man in the business, 720-272-3809. That's Jeff Rourke, A-plus Beverage Solutions. Juan. What's up? Dude, okay, when I was gone, there was some good programming going yeah, on. Yeah, we what had was some great guests. Uh, now, first of all, where Juan eats, yeah. that's spectacular. It was pretty fun to do that, yeah. Now, do you, uh, how many did you do? Four? We did, we did four of those, yep. Four. Yeah, we did uh, Konjo Ethiopian, we did Urban Burma, uh, we did um, uh, Tycoon and Soy Pinoy, um, and we did The Well in Lohai. Yeah. Okay, so when, when Juan's going to eat, yes. is it by recommendation? Is it by referral? I, I mean, no, rarely, rarely by recommendation or referral. Um, mostly just curiosity on my part. Mm-hmm. I, I do sometimes, um, uh, when I get a chance to talk to Mark Antonasian, because I know that's kind of his thing. He mm-hmm. likes to get out to the ethnic restaurants. So um, he typically has some, some good recommendations. And if somebody wants to offer one, I'll take it. But generally speaking... Um, you know, I'm really interested in, in what's going on in the outskirts of, of Denver and, and always looking for great talent. And, you know, my life, you know, my life goal is to try to figure out how to incubate some of these, you know, smaller businesses and, and, uh, and really help people, you know, kind of uh, realize their dreams. So. Now, I'm a creature of habit, and I think a lot of people are, people are as well. Uh, you're not, you're, you're a curious guy by nature. Yeah. Just today... You went right up the street on Federal, said, I'm going to get some of this chicken. You tried out the chicken. You said, hey, I'll go back. It was really good. <laughs> would that be a place where it would qualify for a where Juan eats? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, like it was a Latin smoked chicken, and uh, it was really good. It was juicy. He made The salsas he made were incredible. Um, warm tortillas, pico. Um, came with rice and beans, and he didn't do the typical refried beans. He did what looked like a la chata beans from Mexico. They also looked like Puerto Rican beans, so, um, which uh, I like a lot better than refried beans, uh, and the rice was really good. So, I mean, I was shocked. I went in there. I was in and out in probably three minutes. Um, so they have all this Boom. chicken just smoking on this smoker, and uh, it was right across the – it was like basically fifth and federal on the south side, and it's just like a smoker and a – cart <laughs> right down the street from yeah. the studio so. kitchen okay so a lot of industry folks w- watch the show and and probably saying to yourself well how, how can i get Juan in and to do a where Juan yeah, eats i've, I've had me? a few what, people ask what's the that? qualifications what do you look for um i just you know i like to go to places that i think um you know aren't getting the recognition that they deserve i think first and foremost um, you know, our group is certainly really blessed, and but we also recognize that, you know, we probably get a little bit more um, recognition than, than necessary, and uh, we'll take it. But at the same time, I want to really help those other businesses out that, um, you know, that aren't getting it. So I think that that's number one. And then number two, it's got to be good. You know, it's got to be good. Because you're putting a wand stamp on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some people doing some awesome things out there, you know. I mean, every single one of those places that we visited were, I thought were, I I think are really good. Um, You know, like 
you know, you talk about like Urban Burma, which is in a refu which is in a refugee center, and there's five food stalls in there. All the food stalls are good. Um, he's a really hip kid. Um, you know, he emigrated to Thailand and then met a woman who. Um, who was teaching English as a second language, and so there's a story behind that yeah. too. And he came here, and he was working in nonprofits for a number of years. He just missed his food and started, you know, importing some of the noodles and um, and really introducing people to Burmese food in Colorado. I mean, there are Burmese restaurants on the coast. I, I have never had never seen one in Colorado, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it's really delicious. And he's super passionate about it. He's very proud of it. And uh, that's the type of stuff that, I th you know, those are the stories I, I want to talk about. Well, food tells stories too, right? That, well, that, that's, that's right. Yeah. And history. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of food is rooted in conflict. And I think if we all sat down around a table, um, you know, with some food and some beer, um, and, uh, you know, I think we'd solve a lot more problems than getting on social media and yelling at I each other. I couldn't agree more. And that's why I really think that um, you and your guests elevated the Modern Eater show because that's the element that you brought. And with yeah. your natural curiosity, you were able to bring out those stories of not only themselves, but their family, their food, and it all just ties together. And that's what really, really interests yeah. me for the Modern Eater. And so. I got to do a couple with Kendra Anderson as well, whose palate is like through the roof much uh -huh. better than mine. So, um, so, so her fun. stamp of approval probably even better than mine so yeah yeah uh so i look forward to hopefully seeing more where juan eats because that sure. that's something that just needs to happen beyond that philanthropy um charitable organizations charitable uh -huh. people yeah. uh, giving back to the community your background and and, and i'm not uh, I'm, I'm sure most people do know but for those that don't where are you from juan uh, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, about 65 miles west of Boston. The big city near us is Worcester, uh, which is the second largest city in New England, but it's like 90,000 people. People don't realize that. They think it's like one big city in the Northeast. So um, everybody just thinks of New York. And uh, so, um, yeah, I grew up there. Worcester's a, a, an immigrant city. Um, uh, it's got the second largest Southeast Asian community center in the country. My mother did the grant writing for that. Um, and, uh, you know, my father, you know, he worked in Boston. He drove 65 miles each way to work for 40 years. So, uh, Immigrants are a strong part of you and, and your mm -hmm. heritage as well, um, as, along with everybody else. And you really celebrate it, and it really mm -hmm. showed in some of the programming you did. But um, Black History Month was a big thing. It still is. For, yeah, for we're still month. in Black History Month. Absolutely. And, uh, we had the guys from Illa Gallery on. I thought that was a really cool um, you know, aspect. Completely cool. Yeah, just bringing art and food together and, and uh, you know, music and all that type of stuff. So it really all goes together. It's all cultural. Um, and uh, I think it's all really important to elevate one another. And uh, I think those guys are doing a really good job programming their art gallery down on 2nd and Klamath. And, uh, you know, there's still time to go down and check out and buy some art from some young black artists down there. I think that's really cool. Uh, we got to go to the Clayton and talk about their diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion. Uh, all these videos so for you guys, that if you <coughs> may have missed one, obviously on the Modern Eater website, but on um, the Facebook as well. And I yeah. seriously, go back, take the time, uh, watch some of these videos. Also, the Super Bowl episode was really cool. That it, was awesome. it, 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 Brady needs to go, right? I mean, I, I would have told you a decade ago, but people still want to argue. And uh, I had this argument with T.J. Ward three weeks before the Super Bowl. He's telling me Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Tom Brady, and I cannot <laughs> understand that. But I guess when you compete against somebody, and they've beaten him a couple times in fairness, but yeah, there is something more important than actual like you know, performance. It's mm -hmm. like 
elevating everybody around you. Yeah. And I think that that's the case in business. It's certainly the case in restaurants. Um, you know, people that go in there and they're positive um, and they impact other people. Uh, everybody's game rises. Um, and I think that, you know, Tom Brady is a sports icon, but I think if more people took that approach, um, you know, we'd be in a much better position uh, as a country. We wouldn't have some of the issues that we have. We'd be looking out for one another. We'd be, uh, we'd be working really hard to, to see others, to celebrate others' success and not worried about stepping on people's throats when they're down. So consummate professional just like you want yeah um uh, so one thing that i have to ask you is as you look back at your time hosting the modern eater show was there one person that you were like ah or ooh, or or boy i really i mean where where'd you leave it I don't know what the ah and the ooh and the boy is, but... You know, I don't, I'm like, I wish I would have got this person on, or they reached out to me. Well, we tried, yeah, I mean, we had uh, a couple folks that we tried. Tried to, uh, we came pretty close to having Guy Fieri on. That would have been cool, um, but uh, he just couldn't make it. And uh, um, same with Jamie Bissonette out in Boston, who's doing a lot of amazing things. I was hoping to uh, allow, uh, get somebody from another part of the country to talk about um, what was going on in their city sure. so that we could realize, you know, how lucky we are in Colorado. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, Colorado's in much better shape than New York or Boston mm -hmm. or San Francisco or LA or, the, or those types of places. So, um, and, uh, and the other thing I, I also want to uh, point out having um, Adrian Miller on. Mm -hmm. uh, the Soul Food Skyline. I watched and, every uh, second of that. Yeah, he's a, just an incredible guy. And uh, I hadn't had the opportunity um, you know, to personally uh, talk to him much. Uh, and he's just doing so many cool things, and he's and got great events that are coming up. Yeah, if you miss so. that, Eat Denver's going to do a fantastic uh, talk with him, right? Yeah, yeah, so Eat Denver will do. They have, like, these Ed Talks, um, Eat, Eat Denver Talks, uh, and Katie Lazer, obviously, you know how I think about her. And, yeah. Uh, she'll do a great job with that stuff. And we had Denise Mickelson and Amanda Faison that supported it. Wow. Uh, that came on. Taji Cook was mm -hmm. really great. Brother Luck. David Brother Hadley. Luck and I have been hanging out, and, you know, talking. I, he told me he stuff. sat down. And I you, I don't think I'm giving away too yeah. much, but he said that you really changed the perspective of business in his mind that he hadn't grasped it before. Yeah. And, you that. know, he's just a super talented guy. And I think that's the case with a lot of, uh, you know, chefs. And, and, you know, they should be focused on their craft. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us, our group's mission is to, is to kind of take some of the uh, anxiety out of their day-to-day -day lives and put them in positions to be successful. And I think, you know, I was an athlete, and the best coaches I ever played for coached to your strengths. And uh, that's sort of our approach at Culinary Creative uh, with, our, with our group is that, you know, we want the people to shine and uh, doing what they're really good at. And sometimes we ask them to do stuff they're not good at. And, uh, and, and it's tough, but we'll get through it together and we'll be accountable and we'll, yeah, we'll continue to develop people that way. But um, he, uh, you know, he's, he's a good cook and, and, uh, and he's a great guy. I, I didn't know that. You know, I've, I've talked to him plenty. He's been up and done dinners at, at, uh, at Bardo and... Um, you know, uh, I was really impressed with him. He's a terrific guy. We're actually going to get together this weekend and talk a little bit more, and I'm going to get to meet his wife, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. And mm. David ha David Adley, he was cool too, man. He's a really, really cool. Re re he's a great kid, man. He, he, his uh, future. And I've known him for a while. Yeah. He can cook. Um, and uh, But he's also like, you know, he's, he's the type of kid that has, I think, um, you know, a unique ability to, to kind of like inspire other people. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that, uh, I, I think he's got an interesting future ahead of him. I do too. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, he's creative, he's talented, he's handsome, he's a great talker, he's got all the intangibles to really just take off.
Yeah, and he wants it. Yeah, he does. You know, that. and uh, and Taj cooking uh, Jamaican food and uh, doing some vegan food oh, and introducing us to all kinds of cool stuff. And his story is incredible. His dad and um, just you know how he was brought up and uh, getting to hang out with his wife, who's an amazing person. So last one was, for you. Uh-huh. Your time with the Modern Eater, filling in, uh-huh. uh, hosting the show. What was your takeaway? Did you enjoy the experience? Did you enjoy the show? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was uh, my my number one takeaway is that uh, you guys work harder than I thought. <laughs> So I was like, man, this is a lot of hours yes. thinking about this stuff. So these guys are actually Cut doing that. some work. Um, you know, and, we put uh, a lot of our passion yeah. into this. Yeah, and well. clearly, and it takes passion to be able to do it. And um, you know, for me being competitive, I just didn't want to let anybody down. So it was good to, to do that. And I, I got a you know the first show having Carrie on, who's kind of a pro in front of a camera. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, also having Ben Higgins and Ryan Harris yeah. and all these guys on that were really yeah. good. I mean, I chose these people because I was like, man, you know, I mean, in if, case if I screw this up yeah they'll, they'll, they'll but by figure the end, it out you were bulletproof by the end man i mean yeah you literally you could have just sat here and monologued and riffed and talked about the industry and that's really yeah. the point that uh and, and i think troy guard said that well i don't yeah. know about the bob barker reference I'm, yeah well, i'm thinking more like you know troy's in palm springs <laughs> on vacation that's right how about jay parker Man, uh, we had a fun time working together. So, you know, it was really, you know, first, uh, first time we went over to Konjo, Ethiopian, and, um, and I love those gals over there, uh, Fetian and Galila, and, and Jay's over there, and I'm like, what is, what is going on with this guy? He's got, like, things hanging from <laughs> his know. pants, and he's got his shirt uh-huh. on. He wore his lining Google sweatshirt to every single thing, and I was like, this is unbelievable. He was walking around like a robot, yeah. like Tron or something like that from back in the day. You did and, uh, but he got it done. I thought he did a great job with um, you know, uh, making me look reasonably good with the where one eats things. He, yeah. You know, I imagine we added a lot to his workload, yeah. uh, not just you know working with somebody new, mm-hmm. but also doing a, an uh, entirely new segment. You know, and then also you know allowing me to do a show that you know we had Daniel Graham and Ryan Harris. And we're talking Super Bowl, uh, and you know it's a food show, so sure. you know really guiding us through that and helping us balance that so that you know the uh, the mission of the show was still represented, but we were able to, to to bring in some pop culture kind of around the around the absolutely uh, the, the whole five the whole five days. I would say I yeah. enjoyed every second of it, Juan. Thanks so much. Yeah, man, it was great. We're, we got more to do. Okay, we've got a food truck out front. Here I'm hungry. Studio. Let's Call. go eat. See the logo. Was just there. It's Hesher. Uh, what's a Hesher? We, I mean, I don't know. All right, we're gonna figure that out. <laughs> Chef Jeff Jabot's here with us as well. We'll go out to the food truck, and then we'll have some Ursula beer. Um, let me look. Am I getting red? Well, you got a little red. I told you it's gonna start coming. <laughs> I'm allergic to brewer's yeast, but I had to have one of these beers. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard good things. Rob Bessett's here with boom. us today from Ursula. Yeah, and what a great brewing company! And, and you commented on boy, really good. You, you like the can? Well. I'm gonna. If we don't carry this, we will be carrying this. This is a delicious beer. This unfiltered pills. That That's they have. what it's about. So the modern eater just networking. Just did a just did a sale. Fantastic. That's cool. <laughs> and then we got the guys from Culinary Quick Start. And then guess what? We have Dr. Blanchett. That's cool. the show. Stick around. We got more for you on The Modern Eater. Hey guys, Alex Armitas over at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. You want a Bloody Mary? You want a cheeseburger? You want a breakfast burrito? Greek salad? Bacon gyro meat? Chicken souvlaki? Barbecue ranch salad? We got you covered. Come down and see us. One more time. Try it again. Hey guys, Alex Armitas over here at Sam's Number 3 Glendale. Now get your ass to themoderneater.com. Thank you so much.
We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area, but if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. Hey guys, it's Caroline Glover. I'm the chef owner of Annette out at Stanley Marketplace. Citrus is about to be in its prime. I just want to thank everybody for showing so much support to small local restaurants in this really hard time. And you're watching the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Okay, welcome back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. We're going to head out to the Hesher food truck. I'm excited. We've got a Ursula beer. I got a, a second one. This is, uh, this is the second beer I've had in 2021. Is that right? Yeah. I, I hardly ever drink beer anymore. I'm allergic to brewer's yeast, but my first one was so delicious. I'm going to have a second one. Try some more. Ursula, I've never had any beer from this place, and uh, uh, I think I, you know we're going to we're going to pick it up at the taps for sure. So we'll go do a visit there too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of where Juan eats, I think we've got a live version that's going to come it. on now. So I'm going to take the background on this. All You're right. going to take the foreground let's on go. it and do all of the Juan abilities. And let's go out and check out this truck. Let's go. All right, here we go. I'm excited. It's uh, where Juan eats live on the Modern Eater show. Yeah. So we are pretty excited to come out here and talk to Chef Jeff Hesher Barbecue. Uh, and this is where Juan eats, man. Let's go well, check look at it the out. Logo. Chef Jeff, I know the logo is pretty cool. So, what's up, hey. Chef? Hey! How you doing, brother? Good, man. What well, is going on over here, man? It's well, been a while. It has been a while. It's good to see uh, you. I know, man. I so, got some rockalitas tortillas here. Okay. Flour? Yeah. 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 You're not allergic to that, are you? I'm not allergic to flour. Okay. You know, I, I think I'm going to throw the allergy thing out the window right now. It's <laughs> just going to, I'm going to go with it and we'll see what happens. Excellent. You know, Excellent. if I end up in the hospital, at least I'll have a great last meal. <laughs> there you go. You know, so, and All I sure. bread here. All right. You got, got it. You cover it local. I see we keep that. It local. So what do we got going on, man? So I'm making a brisket sandwich for us today. Okay. Big thick slice brisket here. Yeah, really thick. Um, yeah. Go big or go home, right? That's right. That's one sandwich. That's one sandwich. Come yeah. on, man. Holy is that man. really? Is that really one? Sandwich? Yeah, that's really one sandwich. Look at that thing. Go big or go home. Now we wanted to know, right, Juan? What Hesher is? Yes. <laughs> Jeff, we got to ask you. What is what is Hesher? So Hesher is a slang term for someone who's stuck in like '80s and '90s heavy metal, hard rock music. Okay. But also likes to drink beer, and occasionally. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna <laughs> at the beginning. I was gonna say Troy. Chef Troy, Troy would have known that. Yeah. Right. Troy and I have that in common. He's a yeah. music guy too. So, and my business partner Tony's into music, plays guitar. You obviously know my son plays guitar like crazy. So, music's always been kind of a thing. And so, uh, All right, when you got to get pumped up before you're cooking for like a, a big group of people, like Pantera. what's your Pantera. Pantera? That's it. Yeah. Okay. My Instagram page is Barbecue Beyond Driven. Like, you know, so we, we, I'm all about Pantera yeah. and Texas barbecue. That's why I brought brisket today. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's your background? I, you, first of all, your barbecue has always been delicious, and you've uh, done such a great job. We've even shut down a couple of places uh, yeah. for you. What, yeah. what was <laughs> yeah. the name of that? Yeah. Southern, Southern Hospitality. <laughs> we yeah. did the yeah. Yeah. A show there in the next. I remember. Shut down. Yeah, that was unreal. It was called The Last Supper. That's yeah. Last Supper. But, the, but it created the summer uh, dinner series. It, it really did. Because that was the first dinner you ever did. That was. So, and we had brews and we had rocker, you know, 
so it was, it was a fun time. So business Girl. has been really strange, and here you are into the food truck. Did you ever think you'd be in food truck? Because renownedly, you're a chef with a bunch of employees and a, and a lot of working parts. I've always wanted to do a food truck, uh-huh. um, and so it just kind of fell into place. I have great partners uh, that also own Ursula Brewery they have on today and Cedar Creek Pub. And um, so I have a great kitchen to work with. I have uh, staff that mm. helps too. So when they're not working at the restaurant, I help. The, they're helping me on the truck. Um, so it works out really well. Yeah, and look, I've known you for a long time. Uh, I've eaten a lot of your food. Uh, it's really cool to see you in this environment. But, man, I mean, you've been a big-time chef. Yeah. And now you're in a food truck. Yeah. You know? I mean, this is passion, right? This is, uh, well, I get to do whatever I want, you know? Right. And I love... You know, you love dining rooms too. Right. Uh, the nice thing about a food truck is you have a new dining room every everywhere you post up. Right. You know, right. And, and you post up a lot, right? What is the big difference between cooking in a in a, in a food truck versus like you know getting ready for service at a at a at a restaurant? Like you know, I know you worked for Troy for a while. You oh, yeah. Southern Hospitality. What, yeah. what do you think? Um, well, I mean, weather is probably the biggest thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's nice having you know an indoor dining space where you can, uh, um, you know, not deal with snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same thing. You're prepping food. Everything I do is fresh. You know, so we're still smoking meats overnight. Right. We're still, uh, you know, cooking all our chicken wings. Um, you know, daily. We make our own potato chips. All of our salsas are fresh. I mean, everything is fresh. So it's nice actually having a restaurant that we can do all that out of. Okay. Because it really. Really is it a commissary over. kitchen or an actual it's restaurant? It's an actual restaurant. It's called Cedar Creek Pub. Okay. I'll have to it's go right, check that it's out, It's right across from uh, Ursula. Okay. So, yeah. Got a great cameraman today. Get in on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do we got going on over here? All right. So I'm just making some nachos for you guys. Okay. And then, uh, and then I'm doing uh, a little bit of uh, Korean tacos. I got some egg rolls over in the uh, fryer. What is a Korean taco? So uh, it's a, um, I take my brisket and uh-huh. I do, I do a, um, a Korean marinade. A kalbi? Kalbi, exactly. Yeah, okay. You know what it is. Uh-huh. And, then, uh, and then we uh, do some pickled onions. We, uh, Troy taught me how to make uh, kimchi. kimchi. Yeah. So we, uh, we, do, uh, we do kimchi on the truck. So it's fun that, uh, you know. Look at this. That looks freaking delicious. Yeah. Well, you're about to eat it. Yeah, well, let's we put that aside. Here. We'll bring that in. Yep. We're going to bring all this in. Yep. Some beer. Yeah, let's get these tacos going here. Yeah. So is this beef as well? This is brisket. This is all brisket. So everything is barbecue based. All of our food is is smoked meats, traditional barbecue. Oh, I'm just going to. But we twist that's it. Unreal. Mm. Is it good? <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. So some of our kimchi here. I can see that marinade is really good. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, menu development always, it, it just, it, you can do so much, but where do you start coming up with the ideas of what you want to do and execute? So with, with, we have a basis, you know, uh, the smoked meats is our, is our base, and then we just go from there. Um, so, I mean, I'm using brisket like three different ways for you today. Um, you got a south of the border style, uh, Asian influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I got egg rolls, so I'm running a, I, I run egg rolls as a special. Traditional? Uh, it's got, uh, it's actually got um, coleslaw That's inside of it. Sandwich. Okay. Yeah. It's enormous. This is my bad out of hell barbecue sauce. We make all our barbecue sauces too. It's got a little bit of ghost pepper. Are you allergic to that? No. Okay. I was going to say Just that. Just eggs and brewers yeast. Yeah. 
with the name of the truck Hesher, yep, it, it better have some influence on the food too. Well, yeah. So I, mm. I call it heavy metal barbecue. Yeah. You know, why do the same thing that everybody does? So that's what go was big the, or go home. That was the idea behind <laughs> this thing. You know, that was heat to, comes on that sauce like right afterwards. It's really nice. It's not overwhelming. I know it's not overwhelming though. Ghost yeah. pepper's hot. I have some people that want it kicked up even more. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I can see that around here. Like for sure. yeah. You like spicy ones? I love spicy, but you know, for me, like, like not show off spicy. Well, I mean, those days are, are gone, you know, <laughs> you know, so I don't want to, you know, I'm 47 years old now. That stuff doesn't really do my body my, uh, very good, but um, but I like kind of medium-high heat, I would mm-hmm. say, but the biggest thing for me is flavor, and I want it to linger for a while, I want it to, and I love the I love it when it hits me a little bit later, back yeah. of the palate, you know. And yeah. complement the food. I mean, Has to complement the food. Yeah. Absolutely. So with the uh, the egg rolls, I got my Dr Pepper barbecue sauce, kind of a Texas. That's style. a different one. That's Did different you drop one, the yeah. egg rolls? Yeah, I already dropped them, so we're ready to roll. We're ready to roll. We're okay, ready, let's we're break. ready we'll to come eat. back in. We're gonna eat this delicious food. We're gonna talk to Rob from Ursula. I, I don't know, man. You're doing such a good job behind the camera. <laughs> I know, new <laughs> he's job. He's Hire that guy. <laughs> you got a future. <laughs> yeah, he can take over the show, and I you can be it. the cameraman. We're going to learn about we're going to learn about Rob. This is the the live edition of Where Juan Eats. We're going to throw some beer in there as well. But we're at Studio Kitchen, Colorado. We're so glad you joined us here today, Chef Jeff Jabot. It's been a while since it I've has, seen man. you, and it's just good to see. It's good uh, having back from New York, isn't it? <laughs> I know, right? It truly is. All right, brother. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come right back. It'll be quick. We'll be back in a flash to Studio Kitchen, Colorado. All right. Hi. I'm Amber with Strohauer Farms, and I'm just here to remind you that the best potatoes are grown here in Colorado. Goodness elevated. Thanks for watching the Modern Eater Show. <laughs> hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado. Your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. <laughs> First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trobo with The Annex by Ardent Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries, uh, or pearl barley. Those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jeff Nations from Aspen Baking Company. It's really important right now to support local. That's why I support the Modern Eater. Now, back to the show.
All right, back to the show in just a second, you guys. But it's time to Big talk about bread. That's right, my favorite time of the show, it's bread, and specifically, it's Aspen Baking Company bread. That's right, Aspen Baking, since 1994, you guys, making the freshest bread in the city. I'm a sourdough guy, but they make everything. They even do pizza dough. You know what they don't do? They don't freeze it. They don't put the chemicals. They don't put any of that stuff. They just put the good stuff, love, butter, sugar, gluten, aspenbaking.com if you're a chef you need bread you can't bake it in your kitchen it's too small you don't have the wherewithal that's all right that's where aspen baking comes in they'll bake it for you you guys i'm telling you it's small business it's local it's delicious it's aspenbaking.com and now back to the show chef knives okay uh i think we're back to the show are we back jay yes sir all right we got some delicious food from the hesher food truck with us chef jeff jabot uh, Rob Bessett here there with us do. as well from Ursula, of course, Juan Padro, myself, Greg Holland back. Uh, I guess this is the camera that we're looking at, That's guys. what we're working on? I know, and, and this food, all, I mean, all of it, we're like, well, where do we begin type of thing. It all looks fantastic, and this is the type of food that's like, just shut up and dig in. Right, right. right. Uh, look, while we're digging in, let's go over introduce this guy for us. I like this. So uh, Rob just joined our little family. We have uh, the food truck. We have Cedar Creek Pub as well as the brewery. And uh, we're really lucky to have this talented individual with us. Uh, his beers have been a breath of fresh air at the brewery. And uh, I mean, I've always been a fan of the brewery, so, but it's nice to see someone coming in and really bringing some new ideas and, and uh, some fresh flavors. So, Well, I know you're a great cameraman. <laughs> your background's not cameras, though. No, right? not at all. Not uh, at all. What's your background? Uh, yeah, so background, so I'm originally from Chicago, grew up on the south side of the city, um, played hockey my whole life, um, kind of that was my whole thing, played a little bit of music, but uh, eventually found my way into beer through the medical field. Um, really, I was initially so interested in like becoming a doctor or something like that, um, and so I went through all the, the training, the biology, the chemistry, all that stuff, um, and then started working in the industry for a little bit and just was not a fit for me. So. Um, after that, I mean, I started homebrewing. Um, I met my met my girlfriend, now wife, and uh, we just started drinking a ton of beer. And, she uh, fell in love with the beard or the beer? Uh, the beard was a lot smaller at the time, so I think it was the <laughs> beer. <laughs> although the beer wasn't as good at the has time. Has she either, ever seen so. your face clean shaven? No, she actually has not. She has not. Yeah, we've been on there for about five years now, and I haven't been clean shaven for probably about six or wow. seven. Years, so. I think it'll happen at some point in your life, which will freak her out. Yeah, yeah right. What is the brewery in Chicago? It was the best goes that I've had before in my life, and it, it was in a white can. It's a Chicago brewery. Oh man. Oh. I th- oh, okay. They yeah. might kill me. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I'm going to have to figure out what that Why name can't. is, but this one's really good. Thank you. So, Thank yeah. You. The beer's good. The unfiltered Pilsner was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank oh, you. my God, Chef Jabot. You good? Right? <laughs> what would you pair with this? So, something like that. This one a little bit spicier, yeah? It's got a little heat to it. Yeah. A little heat to it. I mean, something like you're saying, the, the Pilsner, I think, mm-hmm. would really, really go well with a beer Glass like that. Glasses, little glasses. Why don't you... Um, Absolutely. Start pouring some. Oh. Rob's stuff, and he's got the stick mics here, one-handing it. Yeah, pills with spicy. Uh, also, IPAs, I think, with spicy is good, too, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, especially if you have some citrus. Or Excuse us while we eat, you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just I'll tell you So, what. a big part of, like, where the food truck goes is uh, mm. we, we spend a lot of time at local breweries, mm-hmm. and so... Um, I know when I'm drinking beer, the food I want to eat, and so the menu's patterned at, at breweries. Right. So, um, 
we also do uh, we yeah. do table service um, when we run a food truck. So um, we keep people in their seats, um, drinking beer that's and eating so that's food. Interesting. Yeah. What's the thought process behind that? Uh, I'd rather you know the breweries are letting us into their house. It's a, a loner dining room for us. I'd rather the guests there be drinking their beers and hanging out with their family and their friends mm -hmm. than standing outside in front of my truck waiting for me to cook for them. So um, beer sales go up when we're at breweries, and, uh, and our food sales are better, too. Give we us get an to idea talk to people. some of the breweries that you've gone to or, and are going to. So I'm at Brews tomorrow night. A great brewery. Yeah, great brewery. Um, Long-time friends with them. Uh, we do Launchpad in Aurora quite a bit. Um, we're at Lone Tree which is obviously in Lone Tree. Um, we do um, uh, Mountain Toad in Golden. We do uh, Resolutes, both of them. They have the Tap and Cellar, the mm -hmm. newer spot up in Arvada. Mm -hmm. And then we do the one in, uh, in Centennial as well. So that truck's running six, seven days a week. All right. Yeah, it's, it's out there. That's so, very cool. Yeah. So when, you, when you've got reduced labor, right, it's yep. you. It's me. <laughs> yep. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, I would think, all right, man, I'm, I'm a chef and a... Hospitality group, mm -hmm. Southern Hospitality. I'm a corporate, you know, oversee multiple stores. Right. And yeah. I mean, that's a big job. It's a big job. And you go and you do something yeah. that is equally as many hours. Yeah. yeah. But it's but but just you. Yeah. Well, what's fun is um, I, I bring a server with me usually, uh -huh. and or I bring a cook with me. So yesterday I got a break from cooking and I got to spend time with guests inside the brewery and cruise around Launchpad and make new friends and see old ones Ooh. while uh, while my cook was was busting it. Mm -hmm. You know. Day before, I was the one cooking, and that was a long day. <laughs> you, you, you realize how old you are after spending uh, five, six hours on a food truck in front of a flat top. The flavors are delicious, and I want to actually do a jump across from the. Is this the same beer that Juan has? No, so he actually has a Goza. I would love for Juan to have this in front of him because I want to ask, ask Juan a question. Yeah. Oh, you're great at deconstructing flavors within food. I mean, you're just a good identifier. Equally as strong, can you do that with beer? Can you kind of identify flavors within beer? Or, or I mean, what's it? this is, this hey, is, get this on this. yeah, I can tell. Yeah, this is a this is a pilsner. It's an unfiltered pilsner, which is pretty interesting. And I don't know that there's like any kind of, oh, it's, a, it's, it's actually pretty crisp. And, and it what, is. What kind of hops are these? Yeah, so um, it's really based off kind of a Czech style or Bohemian yeah. style pills. Uh, so it has a bunch of Czech styles in here. Okay. It's kind of the main, main hop to most yep. of the bittering. Uh, but then also threw a little uh, cool melon and uh, mandarin to Bavaria in okay. the uh, in And the that kind of mellows beer. out the hoppiness of it. Yep, a little bit. So that's actually just for some more of the, um, it's more of like the orange citrusy kind of character that you're getting at the end. Mm -hmm. But I mean, kind of the baseline on this beer is you're gonna be getting a lot of hay, cracker, mm -hmm. maybe a little biscuit, and then some of like the noble hop character from the size, you know, it's just something that's really traditional, little, little grassy, really good little barbecue. Herbal. Yeah. Really um, good. Yeah. Rich foods and I mean, it pairs very well. Yeah, <laughs> it does that, you know, the tongue cleanse, leaves that coating on there and it yep. gets you ready for another round of that. Yep. Beer so far, fantastic. The packaging, you. you commented on the packaging. Yeah, first thing I comment, and that's, you know, I like to see that. You know, that means, that's, that's like, when, years ago my grandfather told me, if you're ever going to go take a loan out and, and uh, you always look at your banker's shoes, 
If he doesn't know how to take care of his shoes, he doesn't know how to take care of his money. And, uh, <laughs> and my grandfather said, when I go down to tie my shoes, I look around for other things to do because I don't know when I'll be back down there again. <laughs> that's weird. That's good. <laughs> that's weird. But, but that's a great point. But it's the same thing, like, when you see somebody take, uh, you know, the amount of care that they did and, and the graphic design on there. And, I mean, you know that they're going to take, you know, that, that amount of care Absolutely. with what they're doing in their primary as we jump around a little bit from food to beer, beer to food, which is, a, I mean, that's, that, that's what you do, that's right? That's what I like I mean, to do. The, these wings, <laughs> so these wings strike me, uh, the, the, nothing on I mean, there's no they're, sauce. Uh, yeah, they're dry rub. Yeah. Um, so that's my all-purpose dry rub. Um, I use it on my pork mm. as well as uh, uh, my chicken. And yeah. then for a knife. Need, I need a knife. I want a knife for this thing because this yeah. thing is staring me in the face. Hey, chef. I'm just like, <laughs> somebody Blake? get me a knife. <laughs> Would you give us a knife, Chef Blake? So great to have. Yeah. The egg rolls are incredible. Those are popular. Yeah, I do yeah. those as a chef special. Chef. There we go. Thank you. Uh, you know, normally, don't like knives coming up behind me like that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ursula, where are you located? Yeah, so we're right on the uh, like on the medical center campus. So we're right across the street from Cedar Creek, Pu- Creek Pub, where uh, he's doing all his cooking there too. So the address is twenty one oh one North Ursula Street. Just come check us out. I'd be yeah. happy to have you. So East Colfax, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yep. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, right behind the medical center there. Yeah. You spent a little time there, haven't you, Chef Jabot? Uh, every day. <laughs> every there, day? Every, I'm there every day. Are you really? Yeah. yeah probably a good place to be. Yeah. Look at this sandwich. I yeah. head over for lunch. You got pickles. You got really thick-cut brisket. Then you have onion strings. And you have a barbecue sauce that has ghost pepper in it. The brisket's incredible. The sandwich, I don't know if it's going to fit in my mouth. <laughs> Oh my God! It's a lot, right? Oh, good. Is it good? Mm-hmm. What hit you first, the brisket? The fattiness of the brisket, mm-hmm. and then the crunchiness of um, of the onion strings, the pickles, good touch, and then the bread is holding up really nicely. Where's this bread from again? That's uh, Harvest Moon. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so local. Good. Mm-hmm. That's their potato bread they make for me. Mm. I love potato bread. Yeah. Mostly because I love brioche, but it has an egg in it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Take us through visually, kind of be that storyteller when you walk into Ursula and what you can expect and how many beers are on tap and yeah. kind of the community around you. Absolutely. It's, um, it's a small brewery. We don't have the, the footprint necessarily. A lot of some of the breweries do here, but it um, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not making great beer. Mm-hmm. So um, you pull in, roll in, tap room. Right to your right, you have the uh, bar, lots of seating, have some barrels in the tap room, um, which uh, we do use quite a bit. So half of which are um, like sour mixed culture kind mm-hmm. of kind of beers, and then the other half is uh, all clean, mostly uh, barrel aged stout, some barley wine, um, and then behind the bar you can actually get access to the brewery. Um, and back there, uh, it's relatively small. We're a ten barrel brewery, but we got uh, about four four ten barrel fermenters, a thirty barrel fermenter. And then uh, just some bright tanks back there. So, what percentage of your business is done and at the brewery versus like uh, out to uh, commercial? Eighty twenty. Yeah, uh, right now we're actually one hundred percent in the brewery. Really? Yeah, yeah. So one hundred percent in the brewery. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Juan All would close. like to have your beer. I would. Uh, lucky for him, uh, coming up this spring, March, we're actually going to be starting to self-distribute again. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back towards that model and start moving some beer out, trickling out throughout Colorado. We're really excited to share. 
you know, I can't always get to the tap room and check it out. Uh-huh. So we're happy to, to bring the beer to you sometimes. So you know what? And, well, and we'll act- do an event with you if you'd like at one of the taps or super Absolutely. busy. Um, you know what we should do? We should have you come cook. Yep. Do a little pop up. Do That'd some be fun. barbecue. I mean, we've had some fun before. Oh yeah. Now where would you do that? I think we would probably wait till the spring and we would do it in the parking lot uh-huh. at uh, Highland Tap. Highland Tap, yeah. Um, just get that food truck out there. Get some music going. You know. I would, I'd normally I would say a DJ, but this time I would say we just got to get some rock and roll. That's right. Yeah, uh, go slow. Let's just see. Let's, <laughs> just, <laughs> let's just see what happens. And yeah. get all the Heshers in Denver out. Exactly. Can exactly. we play some Pantera? Right. We can play Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you get twenty percent off your bill if you wear your, if you wear your uh, your old '80s rock and roll. Oh, that's t-shirt. a good idea. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good idea. idea. Yeah. I got to try and name. Or even better, we donate to charity. Yeah. So a portion of 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 that. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Take one out of the COVID bandits book. Right? Yeah. Egg roll. I know. They're fun. And that's brisket. That's brisket. In the egg roll. Your and, brisket's and, and really good. Thank you. It's prime. Really good. Yeah. This, this sandwich, have you had this sandwich? Oh, yeah. This sandwich uh, like, unfortunately, really I'm good. down to one hand right now because I'm going to be digging in here soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, now, you might want to let him hold that because that was one of the perks of one of the perks of him joining us was that he gets to eat my barbecue. All right, yeah. there you go. <laughs> swap, swap some beer for me, and I'm, I'm in. <laughs> one of the episodes that you did one while I was gone was nachos. Yeah, we did that oh, with I watched uh, that. It was great. With Chef Terry and um, and uh, Joe and Joe Flant, the two Joes. How did these hold up? These are really good. These are really good. Um, mine were different because I did Thai nachos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I definitely uh, got some help from Chef Paul Kui, who, you know, in my estimation, is one of the great chefs in America. I was going to say. Uh, so uh, he, uh, he he t- he gave me a quick tutorial on how to do those, and I think they were pretty popular. Did they come out? They were incredible. Yeah, yeah, they did were so good. Did you make them at uh, your Super Bowl occasion? No, but I will make those. That'll be on my uh, recipe list. You know how you? Well, you're a chef, so you don't necessarily have just your. But if you're not a chef, you know, you've got your 10 or 12 things that you can just knock out that are always yeah, going to yeah. be winners. You know? Wait, give me five of them. What are your five? Uh, well, my, you know, my father was the cook in our family. So, um, and I grew up on Latin soul food, Puerto Rican soul food. So, uh, you know, my dad's beans is probably the, my favorite bite in the history of the world. Uh, his sofrito is incredible. So and we mm. talked a little bit about that on the show as well. But... Um, so uh, I would say that um, I cook a pretty mean uh, uh, rack of lamb, um, and I really like using a lot of fruit and balsamic, and mm-hmm. just you know, um, and I, I love lamb. Lamb's my favorite meat. Let's see if if you know I'm not so I eat a lot less meat than I used to. Uh, if somebody said you could eat one meat for the rest of your life, it'd it be, be lamb. It'd be lamb for Interesting. me. Interesting. Yeah, I really like lamb. Um, Do you have a taste for goat? I love goat. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. I grew up, my best friend's Jamaican. I grew up eating goat curry, and, um, and so I think Jamaican food is the most underrated food in the world. Uh, I love oxtail. Uh, so I would say that's... Say I've ever that's had oxtail. Oxtail. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I so I, I would say that's, uh, that's probably a big, uh, uh, a big one for me. Um, like, I, uh, I have a, a, a orzo dish. Um, that I love uh, in the summer, and I do. Uh, I roast off some shrimp, and I just do. It's a really fresh, cold salad. It's got uh, lemon and feta, and some, a little bit of cucumber and onion and mm. dill. I want dill. that. It's delicious. It sounds and, awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you're just gonna eat, I love orzo. I think orzo is the most underutilized thing 
it's incredible how underutilized it is. Yeah. So, is that five? Something like that. That, that was close. Those were all good. And, and yeah. way above no, none anything of us, none, none that of us I are can mathematicians. So. What's the one <laughs> meat you would eat for the rest of your life if you only had one? Uh, well, geez, that's a good one. But I think chicken probably is going to just stand out yeah. there just because chicken's so versatile. And then beef would be a, a close second. After that, I'd probably jump into fish oh. from there. Mine's pork. Pig? pig? Yeah. See, I was going to ask. It is, yeah. pi- it is pork? Yeah. Mm. I'm all about the pig. Are you really? Oh, yeah. I love pork, too. I mean, I obviously grew up with Pettineo, mm-hmm. Puerto Rican style, yep. you know. Um, so, and, you know, going down to Puerto Rico, they have all the lechonarias. So there's a place called Guavate. It's called the Pork Highway. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's miles long of pig roast. Wow. Like, a pig roast? Pig roast. One after the other. Oh, restaurants that are all pigs on spits. Holy cow. It's called Guavate. I got to look that up. Yeah, the, the Pork cool. Highway. So That's when we awesome. do Modern Eater Puerto Rico and we go see our boy in, uh, down in PR, That's just a dream. We'll, uh, okay. we'll do some barbecue um, in Fajardo, and then we'll go and do the, the, the pork highway. That's I'm fantastic. Down. Wrap up this segment talking about these last couple of beers that we have here. Absolutely. Yeah, so besides the pills and the goza, I brought a, uh, brought a fun little stout here. So this was actually a collaboration with Lost Coffee, which are actually right over by Cedar Creek and Ursula over there. Um, so this is a... Uh, Salted caramel mocha inspired stout. So I threw a bunch of fun stuff in here. I got some uh, Madagascar vanilla beans. Uh, let's see, Burundi coffee, so a Rwandan uh, coffee bean. No, sorry, not a Rwandan coffee bean. Burundi, some uh, Ghana cacao husk, and then a little sea salt in there. Um, this wow, guy, I want to mix that with uh, vodka. <laughs> tell, tell them about the caramel, though. Oh, yeah. So actually, I made like, uh, I think it was like 40 pounds of caramel I made in house for this beer. He made the caramel. Yeah, so we made legit. the caramel in-house, yep. and then uh, it all ferments out. So it's got lactose in it. I'm not supposed to drink it, but open that in. right now. Want to give that a shot? Hell yeah. <laughs> give that a whirl. Sounds delicious. Right. This has got this, coffee. This it's stout got, is amazing. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Let's so we got like this guy in here. Uh, I brought another collab beer. So this was actually done. I need a couple. Yeah, there we go. I need a third hand. So this was actually a collab with Mill 95. You're perfect. It's good. They're a hot broker out in uh, in Idaho. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this the is a hundred centennial double IPA. Um, double IPA, double yeah. the size, double yep. the hops. Yeah. So we did this guy in a crawler. Uh, this guy in the end is uh, it's called Passing Through Time. It's a uh, hazy IPA. Uh, it's really dry. It's made with citrine galaxy. So tell me about that. I'm from New England, so yeah. obviously hazies are New England mm-hmm. style IPAs. So uh, what you? I mean, I, you're brewing one, but you know that's controversial. Yeah. You know, I mean, out here, I remember when the first New England style IPA came out here and everybody was like, I know, man, that's not, you know, I don't get it. It's unfilled, you know, and now uh, the number one selling beer in all of our entire restaurant group, and we're a group that does about 35 million in sales a year, is a hazy IPA. That's incredible. It sells, it's our number one selling product at the Tap and Burgers more than any piece of food. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> but honestly, it doesn't surprise me. And, 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 and truly, you're right. I mean, for a while, it's like, okay, it's a fad, right? Okay, Not it's a fad. a fad. And then, boom. They're so good with food. Yeah. yeah. It's all that citrus that comes out. Yeah. You, you know, in New England, the breweries in New England, a lot of them are very small, and they don't come out to Great American mm-hmm. Beer Festival, you know. And, uh, and, you know, the hill farmsteads of the world and the tree houses of the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they brew some epic beer. So... 
it's really cool to uh, to see people kind of jumping on that. Well, they're brewing them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I brought you some Alchemist the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks, Everything's He's a great delicious that I've tasted We got a little so heading topper down at the Bellevue yeah. left over. I think there's six cans I saw on social media. Oh. <laughs> uh, head on I brought him a, <laughs> a focal banger. Yeah, I would yeah. encourage you, um, you get an opportunity to go to Ursula, just go out of your way to do that as well. And then don't, don't wait for Juan to pick it up <laughs> in March. Go, go out and, and see him at the I'm going to go out. So. I'll go out. You will? Okay, cool. I think the beer is really good. Yeah, absolutely. I really do. And that. then I was going to say for Hesher and Jeff Jabot, and thanks for spending time yeah. with us today, Chef. I was going to, and it's hard to do, but, you know, what was your number one favorite? Me? Of, yeah, right here. That you go, okay, I got to order it again. I My, mean, mine's right here. This taco is that a lot of umami. Yeah. Um, Second, I, believe it or not, I'm going to tell you something right now. This the is sandwich. One, this is one of the best. That was tough for me. Yeah. I mean, that's really good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Everything's been really good. This is. That's it. One of the best. That's the barn done. burner yeah. right there, and then just very creative with the egg roll. Yeah. Having fun. <laughs> I know. I fun love with it. food. That's what I do. I you, play with food. You, and you and you <laughs> rock too, Chef. Thanks yeah, for thank being you. here with us, Rob Bissett. Amazing time. Thank you guys for having me. We'll come see you for sure. Set this up, Juan. What are we going to do next? Man, we got these guys from Culinary Quick Start here. Emily Griffith. Uh-huh. And uh, so we have Marcus and Chef Blake Stein. And it uh, looks like they're, they got a lot of fresh herbs and veggies over there. And it uh, looks like some eggs. So I'm going to stay a little bit away from that. But uh, <laughs> uh, I love these guys. I got a chance to, uh, uh, to talk with Blake several times um, when I was hosting. And I got to meet Marcus for the first time, even though I've eaten his food a bunch. Uh, and it was, uh, we had a pretty awesome conversation. And, um, you know, they're doing really cool things. They're taking young kids and teaching them uh, basic skills in the kitchen. Great. And uh, we, we're interviewing them. I mean, I think we've probably interviewed three or four at this point. Uh, but as you've gotten to know these chefs and seeing mm-hmm. what they're doing and their passion for food, too, and education, which I'll tell you what right now, education is going to take a, a rebound because having instructors really just take the time to uh, well, not You never only, know who they are, you yeah. know, when you're a restaurateur. Which, so which like helps, for me, right? It's like, you know, I can have my guys in my kitchen teach, right? But I get a chance to meet Blake. You know, and, and, and you know, yeah. I could, I'm watching him cook. And, and I'm sure your cooking. input's welcome, too. Here's what I'm going to be looking for. They don't want to listen to me, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see that. We'll step into the kitchen. What do you think, Juan? Let's do it. All right, we'll go into the All kitchen. Right. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Emily Griffith, right, Culinary man. Quick Start. These are the guys right here. We'll be back in a flash on the Modern Eater Show. Hey, you guys. Jay here with the Modern Eater Show. Thanks for watching. Don't forget about our YouTube and Instagram channels. A lot of killer content over there. Throw us a subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a follow on Instagram. And thank you for supporting TME. We couldn't do this without our amazing sponsors, so let's check them out right now. Very proud to be part of the the Modern Eater. And uh, chefs, restaurant owners, any food service operators... You know, I know right now that uh, delivery and carryout is bigger than ever, and we got you covered. Uh, Cambro uh, has a full line of uh, delivery and carryout items. More economical options are expanded polypropylene or EPP, a uh, nice insulated container. Uh, the Procard Ultra is really versatile. It's a great unit because you can actually store cold products down here, hot products up here. It's all 120. There's no refrigeration worries. It's all thermodynamics. Just let us know what your food service challenges are, what it is we can do to help you out, and there isn't anything that we can't do for you. So uh, hope to see you over here at our facility in Park Hill soon and uh, stay safe out there. You know everybody, with several million dollars of hard assets here, insurance is very, very important to us. 
Ewing Levitt covers it all. Machinery, building, workman's comp. Ewing Levitt's got us covered from the floor to the ceiling, from our alley, even to the street. This divider, this press, my cooling conveyor, my oven. Ow, ow. Ewing Levitt covers our counter stacker and our employees too. If you need insurance, take it from Little Rich at Rockalitas. Call Ewing Levitt, they'll get you covered. I go home, I strip down to my skivvies. All right, here we go. I got it, I got it, I got it. Hey everybody, Steve Gould from Golden Moon Distillery and Golden Moon Speakeasy. When I get my cocktails to go from Golden Moon Speakeasy, I go home, I kick back, and I watch The Modern Eater. <laughs> skivvies. Hey, I'm a Marine. It's skivvies, man. Okay, Little Rich is in the house. That means all's well in the world as we come back to Studio Kitchen Colorado. This segment brought to you by Elevation Food Service reps and the best of the business. If you need to get your kitchen equipped with some great equipment, look no further than our guy, Rich O'Brien, and you can look him up. Go to their website, elevationfs.com. Okay, Ele Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. There's yeah. The, all right, so we just set it up beforehand. It's a great program. We have great chefs here with us. Oh. All right, so Chef Marcus, Chef How's Blake, going? you guys. And, and what we do is we catch up with you guys on Mondays and kind of look at, like, well, what's the week ahead going to be as people are interested in, okay, here's what the curriculum's all about. If you guys are interested in a culinary career, you just want to sharpen your culinary skills, you can join us. It's a gimme, you know, free 99 Right. You can't beat that. No. And you get the certification of the SurfSafe certification. But sign up. Get online to themoderneater.com. There's a tab on the top, and it says Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. Get your career going today. Okay, guys. Give us, like, the 30-second. Here's what the program is, how long, and the whole, you know. So the program is just really a uh, workforce development program. We prepare you for a promising start in the culinary industry as either a prep cook or um, you know, a wine chef. I love it. Uh, today it is um, Chef Marcus and Silent Blake. <laughs> Good to see you, Blake. He's uh, on the men, but that's what I love about passion. You come to work, you, you play hurt. You yep. play hurt, and that's mm -hmm. what you've done today. Thanks for coming and joining us here today. Chef Blake is going to be the man, the handsome man behind the knife, and you're going to be doing all the talking. Let's yep. just start here, man. Eggs and Juan. Uh, Social distance from the eggs. I know. I don't need an epi. I know. I am going to social distance from the eggs. <laughs> Which you probably should. Yeah. But we are in the kitchen right now. Yeah, One of the things is omelets, right? Are you going to start with the omelet? What are you yeah, we can do with? a quick omelet for you guys. Uh, that's what we're going to be teaching is just uh, basic egg cookery this week. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything from... Uh, like a you know poached egg, which we've done to omelets, a couple of different ways, and then you know your over easies, right. your medium, over mediums, uh, that kind of stuff. So, Take it away, demo style. All right, let's do this. So, yeah. um, we're just gonna preheat this uh, nonstick pan here, um, and we're gonna make a quick little like mushroom omelet. I got some really pretty looking. They're gorgeous. Uh, Great oysters here, which we're just going to saute really briefly, um, and we'll saute those up with a little bit of red onion, and uh, you know we'll throw some bell peppers in there too. 
What's the most important thing, and, and whether it's, I, and I think it's consumer. It, omelets are an interesting thing because there's taste, there's aesthetics, there's, mm -hmm. uh, take us through an omelet of like, you make a perfect omelet. What, um, what, what consists of a perfect omelet? So what we're looking for in an omelet is heat control. We're looking for that perfect color uh, that goes onto the, the omelet. So it should be, it should be very light in color. Uh, it should have a fine curd, and uh, it should have a nice shape to it as well. So uh, you can tell a lot about the skill of a cook just by having them make you an omelet. Do you like uh, a fluffy omelet, or do you like a, something a little bit more thin and crispy? And I like, I like a fluffier kind yeah. of omelet. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it should. I like an omelet that kind of oozes yeah. uh, when you cut into it. Yeah, same. So uh, right where... This butter is about to change colors. Um, we're just going to add our add our mushrooms here, and I like to cook all my omelet ingredients uh, beforehand, just so we can pull out some of that moisture, and it's not just going to uh, leak whenever you cut. Yeah, it make the omelet, omelet soggy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, season. So when you're interviewing a chef, when you're working in one of your kitchens, right? I know a lot of our guys. We uh, they they talk about like I want to see if this guy can cook an egg. Mm -hmm. Right, like that's sure. literally like one of the number one things exactly. that our guys look for. So why is that? Um, well, like I said, it shows that you've mastered a number of techniques. Uh, he controls one of them, uh, and then I think being able to season everything correctly as well—that's very important. And it's just—it's um, something that's deceptively simple. I think is making omelets. Yeah. Uh, so you can, you—you uh, you know, very quickly whether or not uh, you're, the person you're interviewing can actually cook just based on how they, how they make an omelet. Got it. So with, with omelets for me, and I, how, what's a classier way? So runny, I guess, but mm -hmm. boogery omelets really freak me out. And what does? A boogery <laughs> omelet. You know, you, you, you get the omelet and you kind of open it up and it, the consistency is not throughout. Yeah. Like the outside's got a crust to it, but the inside is just real runny, and mm -hmm. and I don't I don't really know how to explain it other than boogery. So you like yours a little bit more set? I, I like it a little bit more set. That's all right. Uh, that's personal preference, and yeah, we can make it however you like, Greg. Do you not do you eat when you eat eggs? Do you like runny eggs, Greg? No, so uh, I'm yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sunny side up, all right, sunny guy. All right, so I like to make my omelets with three eggs per. So we're just going to crack those in here. And for all those aspiring chefs out there, the profit margin in an egg is pretty good. Take a look at this technique that he gets yeah. into. When he gets into the pan is really what changed my mindset the last time around. I was um, schooled on just the technique. So what, what are you doing there? Did you just add some water? Yeah, just a splash of water. Okay. So some people you can add milk. I was gonna say I, I, I add cream. I add cream, right? Yeah. So, interesting. Why? Well, I've not. I've actually maybe not even seen water. I haven't either. What? Why water? I'm um, just kind of loosen it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've also heard that if you're trying to get like a crispier exterior, um, it paradoxically yeah. will um, make it a little bit more crispy. So we're just gonna whisk that until it's all smooth. Again, we're just gonna season it with just a little salt here. Yeah. And Greg, uh, you're noticing that every single step of the way, I think a lot of people forget that, he's seasoning. It's like super important. Yeah, you're just kind of right. layering those flavors. Right. 
And isn't that really just the meaning of seasoning as you go well, along the I way? Well, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, I mean, I'm a big believer in seasoning and aggressively, uh, personally. And, um, you know, I think a lot of restaurants forget a lot of steps of seasoning. So, What's your take on salt, Juan? Uh, I like salt a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah salt's probably the most yes. critical seasoning. Uh, do you do it in the kitchen or at the table, though? What do you mean? Are I mean, you going to do salt. it while you're cooking, or are you going to do it to There's taste? There's finishing salt, okay. depending on the dish. Yeah. And when I'm making omelets, uh, I prefer butter. You can use oil if you'd prefer, but uh, I just like the flavor of butter. Yeah. This isn't a diet cooking show. No, it certainly is not. All right, so when we're also doing our omelets, it's important to make sure that we also have a plate ready because that's, uh, that's going to aid us in forming the omelet. All right, so when it comes to the butter here, we're looking for melted, um, separated, but we don't want this butter to take on any color. Which I do often. Which you do like. <laughs> no, I just... I mean, that's personal preference, I, I don't really too. like that. I just am cooking too fast, and I look at the heat that you're doing here, and that's a, that's a good heat. Mm -hmm. And just something a little bit above, like, medium. Uh, the omelet... These omelets should take, you know, uh, two minutes. Here's where it gets bit. real to me, which is technique. You get nervous? Well, no. I'm yeah. getting a little nervous. I, I do it. I do it. Wait, watch what he does. Watch All right. Does. So eggs go in. And the first thing we're going to do, it should sizzle. First thing we're going to do is just stir. Sure we Vigorously. Yeah. So talk to us about that. Because a lot of home cooks would allow that thing to sit. Yep. Kind of get, like, you know, get a little bit crispy on the bottom mm -hmm. before they started, like, lifting the sides. Sure. And, yeah, so what, tell me about this technique. Um, this is going to create those curds that you can kind of see there, those yep. ribbons of cooked uh -huh. uh, egg. And you, the second phase of the omelet making is kind of redistributing that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but what we're looking for is, a, is something very, very light in color. Um, and we don't really want anything... Uh, beyond a very, very pale uh, yellow. So we're going to season it at this point. Notice I did it off, off the heat. You didn't want it to overcook. Uh, yeah, I don't want it to overcook. Because it's still cooking right now. Yeah, exactly. Heat. So uh, we've had a, you know, a soft curd right now, and it's still cooking. So this is where we cheese, you know, if you wanted to add herbs, anything like that. Um, just kind of make sure you're not over, overstuffing your omelet. I think that's another pretty common mistake as well. And it's, it's moving in the pan. And you'll notice it's just barely setting here, just from that residual heat. So it's not going to be super sloppy when you cut into a grig. That's a hope, anyway. Mm -hmm. So we're going to return it to heat. And then we're going to just kind of push it, push it towards the edge there. And this is a little bit more color than I like, but I'm kind of talking at the same time. So uh, we're going to just move this to the edge here. And then I'm going to switch grips. So I'm going to hold it like this and then just flip it right onto Beautiful. Our, our plate. And at this point, we can kind of just. So that's interesting too, because at home, again, you would a lot of times would just fold it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, and, then, and then you're sitting there with your spatula and you're trying exactly. to turn it over. And then you're overcooking it, right? Yeah. Okay. So we have a pretty good. <laughs> Um, there's a little bit of color here, but um, that's great. Yeah, a nice omelet, good shape. 
Um, and then hopefully when you cut into it, it'll be nice and nice and tender for you. Hired. <laughs> so um, you've also got some microgreens, which we can garnish it with. I like these kind of these these onion greens. They have kind of like a Give very a light, very light chive kind of flavor. So we're just going to hit it with a little bit of that, just for a little greenery on top. And then let's see what else do we have? Some mustard. Yeah, we'll just leave it as it is, I think. But there yeah. you have it. You guys um, are so talented. Textbook omelet right there. Um, what you guys have, Blake? I think we're going to do some potatoes and stuff, too. Um, cool. I'm just going to rinse this out. The very talented Chef Marcus. Here comes Blake. Now, Blake is going to be uh, not talking while he does this. We'll kind of do the play-by-play -play for Blake. And uh, what are you looking for, <laughs> I got you. There it is. He's got his Already one. crispy. All right, you be Blake's voice because you guys think a lot alike. You know what he's <laughs> going to be doing next. So kind of going along with our breakfast theme here. Um, oh, the whisk. Uh, I think Blake's going to whip us um, hollandaise real quick. Yeah, so I, the thing I miss most is Eggs Benedict. It's Eggs Benedict. Yeah, one yeah. of my favorite things on the planet. I love a great hollandaise uh -huh. sauce. Um, you know, I, lo I, I love English. I love every element of Eggs Benedict. I love <laughs> ham. I love, you know, I love English. Even if it was made with seafood or even if it was a, a veggie, Eggs Benedict is so good. It just doesn't so, love you, Juan. It does not love me. And, you know, I, I am a, somewhat of a food masochist. I will occasionally... Partake. Partake, uh, provided I have no company for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just to. All right. So we got some hollandaise going here. So it looks like we got some mustard. Yeah, he's just kind of seasoning it up with yep. a little bit of mustard. The, mul yeah. the mustard is also going to act somewhat as a, an additional emulsifier in addition to the. Yeah, ideals. thicken it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, it'll add a little acidity too. Is that from the vinegar? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Blake's, Blake's got this bowl over what's known as a double boiler. Um, it's just kind of a way of gently cooking eggs. Yeah, and hollandaise is kind of a labor of love a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, looks it takes like a little bit, and um, it's tough to do just, like, straight on the stove. Uh, you can do yeah. it in just a pot, but that takes... That takes a, a little practice, yeah. a lot of confidence. There's so much going on right now. Um, the heat manipulation, the spinning of the bullet, like a lot could go wrong right now. I would have the towel on fire uh, that would probably drop off of the, the, the stovetop mm -hmm. all together. Yeah, but I, th I think this is a little bit above your pay grade, Greg. I think so, too. Yeah. I'll talk about it. I will it. tell you that also uh, one of the most disappointing things you can eat uh -huh. is an Eggs Benedict when the poached egg is... Not running. I agree completely. <laughs> yeah, there is something that is one of the worst things about breaking a, a perfectly poached egg and the yolk runs all over yeah. the place. Um, so what Blake's doing is he's kind of whisking this until it, it's going to start to become a little bit foamy, um, and that's when he's going to add, start adding the butter and emulsifying it. But hollandaise is pretty much um, all fat. There's a little bit of lemon juice in there, but it's... Fat it's, tastes pretty good. Yeah, mainly just egg yolks and butter, which is why it's delicious. Greater than the sum of its parts. I mean, yeah, that's why it tastes so good. 
What else would you would you put hollandaise on? I like hollandaise on asparagus. I Same. love it with crab, crab yeah. cakes, make a um, great one. Um, I also like it with like uh, fried green tomatoes. Yep. Uh, Which are all like super comforty, delicious. Yeah. You know? That's and so I, I think about, we, remember when I, you, I, we talked about the repertoire? Uh -huh. Like if you can make a good hollandaise, sure. you can make so many things yeah. that much better. <laughs> you know? So. so what about meat though? The, the, the difference between a Bernays and a, and a hollandaise? So the difference between the Bernays and the Hollandaise, well, Hollandaise is your mother sauce, and then uh, you add tarragon, you know, shallot, uh, it turns into a Bernays sauce, which you can right. put onto steaks. Love that. Uh, more crab, seafoods, that kind of stuff. It's, Who's it's making good. a good beef wellington these days? Good beef wellington? That's a yeah. I saw Frank Bonanno make one. Uh, that was pretty amazing uh, during COVID. So. Wasn't there a place on Colfax called Chez Jose or something to that extent? A steakhouse? A little Rich would know that. I don't know, but I love Wellingtons. Damn, right on the burner. And there you don't see, you don't see this Normandy. Do not try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to look really nice. Smooth and... Got Dr. Blanchett standing by. We'll get to him shortly in the next segment. I think he's watching us uh, make this delicious holiday sauce right yeah. now. Hoping to get back to dealing with people who are eating too much hollandaise as opposed to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, you can notice, like, the texture kind of changed. You can see the ribbons color. starting to form. Yep. Uh, it's so labor-intensive. I mean, I mean, I'm not wrong, am you I? you got to work for things that can, are, you know. Yeah, well, can, so you can make this in bulk, obviously, though, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, um, you know, if you're if you're making this in quantity, I think I've made, like, a 20-pound batch before. Like, it's a, it's a big batch. Um, you can add stabilizers to it. Um, I've heard of some, like, brunch joints adding, like, cream cheese to theirs to get it to hold temperature for yeah, a long time. Yeah, you get that. That's when it gets, like, almost, like, pasty, though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Hollandaise is also like a very textural kind of thing, too. Right, me too. It should be very rich, but it should flow. And it almost gets light cream colored. Exactly. When that happens. Hey, hey chefs, when you say you, Marcus, when you say you did a 20-pound batch, I'm picturing like a bowl the size of a Volvo, you know? And yeah, it's a, it's a huge uh, amount of, it's a huge amount of butter. Um, and that's a lot of egg yolks, too. Uh, so you just use like a carton of egg yolks. So Blake is just continuing to pour this in as he's whisking. So Marcus, while we're talking about this, let's talk about the poached egg for a second. Sure. Because a yeah. lot of restaurants are sous vide eggs. Yeah. So um, let's talk about that technique. So sous vide technique works well um, when it comes to the yolks, but I think there is something to be desired when it comes to the texture of the albumin, as the uh -huh. white part. Yeah. Um, so if I'm using sous vide, which um, is a very specifically controlled cook uh, for your eggs. I'll often finish it in poaching water. Okay. Uh, just to kind of set that albumin on the outside yeah. and to make the texture a little bit more desirable. Got it. Um, I, I think sous vide's a great tool for doing a lot of eggs, mm -hmm. like a, a huge volume of eggs, but um, you definitely need to finish. To, it's think. just like a hot topic right now. Everyone's getting a like everyone's getting uh, you know a. A, a sous vide machine at home or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. you know, so uh, bath and um, 
you know, restaurants have been using that technique for years. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common questions we get is, you know, can you teach me how to use that? Because there's a, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's definitely much more common with like meat and stuff like that. Exactly. But, yeah. All right. Uh, nod yes or shake your head no. Is this coming together the way you want it to, Chef? It looks incredible. <laughs> God. He's giving me the little wink. <laughs> the wink and the nod. That means yes, it is coming together. It's just getting nice and thick here. Yeah, the color's beautiful. See how it's gotten from that like super like, like I don't know, loud yellow to this like creamier texture. And there's no machine that can replace somebody to do this. I've seen it done in a uh, food processor. Have you? Uh, but results are not guaranteed. Um, it, it it's really hard to replace some somebody that has skill and that can be uh, kind of reactive. Yeah, I mean, this is what you want right here. Exactly. And look at that. I mean, you can see right now it's really taking, taking shape. Yeah, look at that. And that's going to sit really nicely nice. on the egg and on the English muffin and everything yep. like that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, the, the term there. we're looking for is like nappe. You know, okay. it should coat the back of a spoon. Mm -hmm. And um, it should kind of stand up on the plate just a little bit. Like now, it should flow, but it should <coughs> definitely have a good amount of body as well. Let's not send Juan into outer space. No, don't do it, Juan. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, what? What ha now? What can go wrong? What? what <laughs> it's gonna set. It's gonna harden. What? What are the things that can go wrong? Let me, um, let me taste that. So things that can go wrong. It's not seasoned correctly. Oh, um, you'll use too high of heat, and you'll scramble the eggs uh, before you can achieve emulsification. Um, Delicious. So I think that's probably the most common one. Is just overcooking the eggs. Uh, you can also add the butter too quickly and not be able to emulsify correctly. So you'll have um, scrambled eggs at the bottom and then just greasy butter sitting on top of that. Now yeah. this is one of many things that you will learn through the Culinary Quick Start program. Um, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start right here. I don't know whether you know it or not, but um, every Monday through Thursday, three weeks in a row, it's a great course. Again, it's a gimme. It's free to you. All you have to do is go to themoderneater.com. There's a tab at the top. It's a quick sign-up. And again, folks like Juan, you want to work in a great restaurant group, this is how you get in on the bottom floor. Now, obviously, you can go in and, and just start at the bottom and do those things, but to have a leg up in an industry that the floodgates are opening back up for, these are the types of things, Juan, that you take a look at a resume and you say, hey, listen, I know Chef Marcus, I know Chef Blake. And yeah, now, for sure, it's, it's great getting to know these guys. And, and, uh, and you know, when we had uh, uh, Chef Kerry Baird on the first episode, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, what it's like when you're a kid in anything in life mm -hmm. and, you've, and you've got like a celebrity chef and you're like, oh, that person would never hire me. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I want somebody who's got a ton of passion and who has basic skills that I can work with. And uh, that's what these guys are pumping out. And, and uh, so, you know, that's uh, I think that's a pretty big endorsement from her. We're, yeah, we're, we're trying. <clears throat> I mean, and I think your standard of living is so much higher being able to cook for yourself and those that's right yeah yeah um, join so. these guys i mean again it's in the evenings it's a, i don't know about an hour and a half of your time throughout the week is very well worth it but it also shows that you're taking that initiative to put that three weeks uh, in your pocket and you go in you've got a jump start on it so i encourage you at themoderneater.com check that out you're assembling us a delicious breakfast here um one i'd say third meal of the show not the day but uh, <laughs> Third meal and, and the day. I didn't eat, and then I got here, and in the last two hours, I'm going to eat three courses. 
like, and I'm not talking about like, you know, fine dine courses either. You know. So let's plate this up. While we're plating this up, Juan, talk about this gentleman that's coming up in the next segment. Oh, my man. How are you, Doc? Dr. William Blanchett. He's uh, waiting Doc, yeah, for us. Yeah, Dr. Blanchett, I first got an opportunity to meet here on the Modern Eater Show at the beginning of COVID. And uh, we got some masks up to his, his folks. And, and uh, he's been somebody that, uh, that uh, I've listened to when he's been on the show. He's always got really good advice. And, and uh, his pulse is definitely on. Um, you know, on, on what's going on in, 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 in this COVID world that's so confusing to everybody. So it's just really cool to have a great resource like him and he gives a shit and, um, and he's up in Boulder and he's living in a, uh, in a very, very, very incredibly uh, difficult time for a doctor. And, and uh, so we have a ton of respect for that and it's just great to have him on. We've taken the journey with him from one year and really yeah. just a passionate guy, passionate about what he does and it seems to uh, transcend obviously with what he does passion wise um, the doctor last time we caught up with him completely frustrated about how the vaccine process was that's going. right yeah. he's like you know what put these vaccines in my hand I'll start getting it done right right um, so I, I'm really anxious to see let's catch up with the doctor Emily Griffith culinary quick start encourage you guys jump online sign up for this program uh, but we're gonna talk to the doctor next and I'm really interested in seeing his take on is there good news happening right now, or do I need to just pinch you, Juan? I think, I think we're heading in the right direction, but I'm sure the doc has some insight that uh, we're going to want to hear. Absolutely. Okay, Marcus, talk us through this. All right. It's so, plating time. Yeah, just uh, warmed up, uh, some, toasted some English muffins and a significant amount of butter. Uh, just kind of seared off this ham and uh, sliced up an avocado. Our poached eggs go on top. And then we're just going to hit this with a little bit. Fancy eggs, Benny. Fancy oh, avocado. Eggs. That's right. Where no. are you when I need you? You want to impress your girlfriend? This is Make it. her this eggs, Benny. <laughs> That's good stuff. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of restaurants around town that try and make it this good. This is good. And, and there's a, a lot that do a great job as well. This is a fantastic dish. You want to try it? How do I say no? Absolutely. All right, I'm not even going to look at this because I'm so jealous. It's unbelievable right now. So what we're looking for is, oh, the oh, egg right there. Oh, the egg. Perfect eggs. Um, if you do say so yourself. Uh, there's only one way to approach this baby. Yep. And that's just to go in and get just a bite. Dive right in there. Thank you, gents. Absolutely. Look at this. Okay, Emily Griffith Culinary Quick Start. The perfect eggs, Benny. Let me get my... Thank oh yeah, there it is. Thank you guys. <coughs> Must be good. Bob sneezing. Okay, Jay, we gotta take a break. Do we need to do anything to you? Nope. Are you okay? Yep. Okay. It's not the eggs. It's not the eggs. No, Fantastic. I think it's the um, onions and yeah, everything going yeah. on. Okay. Take a break. We'll come right back to Studio Kitchen, Colorado. He's standing by. <laughs> we, we, yeah, doctor, where are you? We might need you for one. Doc, uh, can you Uber down here, please? That's right. Break away. Come right back to Studio Kitchen, Colorado. Dr. William Blanchett from Boulder Internal Medicine will be next. Thanks, chefs. Hey. Oh, a little <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Brother Luck from Lucky Dumpling, 4 by Brother Luck in Colorado Springs, and I am rocking with the Modern Eater. You're watching them. You're tasting them. You're knowing everything there is to know about Colorado. <laughs>
Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here. Our new Belgian Abbey Four Pack is a mixed package of the four core beers made in Abbey and Trappist breweries in Belgium. So we have a single, a double, a triple, and a quadruple in one package. Now, quadruples are the emperors of Belgian monastery ales. They're dark in color, uh, with a dense tan head, and alcohol ranging from 8 to 12%. So they're pretty strong. Quadruples are very rich and complex with big maltiness, uh, spice, and flavors of raisins, cherries, and plums. Alcohol is apparent in the mouthfeel, but not overwhelming, uh, even at 10.5% ABV. So the finish is long, complex, and dry, and they're great beers anytime, by themselves or with hearty foods. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack at either Brews location, 67th and Pencos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the Denver metro area. Take home some Belgian-style badassery today. watching the modern eater and now back to the show yes studio kitchen colorado the modern eater show continues we're gonna wrap it up and this guy he starts the show he's in the middle of the show he's ending the show today it's long overdue juan padro greg holland back dr william blanchett good to see your face doctor what's up doc how are you guys doing this Punishing me watching that delicious food while I'm trying to lose weight here. Yeah. I think we're we'll all. We'll do a show on, sa- on uh, how to make a salad next time you come on. How about that? <laughs> or maybe you can come down and we'll, we'll sit down and break, yeah. break yeah. bread together. Break some celery together, right? That's right. right. You know what? What strikes me right now is just that smile that's on your face. And well, uh, I have to ask you, is that smile just because you're happy to see us? Or is it because there's some good things going on right now, Doctor? Certainly happy to see you, but compared to the last time we talked, the horizon is a lot brighter. It's a lot happier right now. We're seeing cases going down and down and down. We're seeing the death rates going down. We're seeing the vaccination rates going up. I mean, we're, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. And also, you know, if, if we indeed get everybody vaccinated who wants to be vaccinated by July or August, we're back in business. We're back full blown. We're so lucky that this vaccine is so effective that we're looking at a 95% reduction in clinical disease and 100% reduction in hospitalizations and death. So after you get the vaccine, it's like this disease doesn't exist anymore. So I have the vaccine. I can now walk into the hospital to take care of a patient, not worrying if this is going to be the last thing I do before I walk in the hospital to die. So that, that, that has lightened up my day some. I don't dread going into the hospital anymore. And a number of my vulnerable patients now have had the vaccine. Probably three quarters of my vulnerable patients now have the vaccine. And so from their perspective, I no longer have to worry about what's gonna happen in their case. So I see this continuing to improve. I'm, I'm really, really optimistic. The thing that I'm concerned about is the number of people who are not wanting to get the vaccine. And when you run the numbers, I'm not gonna bore you with the math behind this, but when you run the numbers, we're looking at binary choice here. You can either choose to get the vaccine or you can choose to get COVID. There's not gonna be an in-between where we have herd immunity and you don't get either one. 
you need to get the vaccine or you can get COVID. And if you're tough enough to handle COVID, great. But there are some people who are going to die because they don't get the vaccine. So, but I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this being done. I read an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. I read an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal on Sunday. I, I don't know if you saw it, Dr. Markey, who oversees medicine for Johns Hopkins. And he's not an epidemiologist. He said he talked to a lot of epidemiologists. He said about 50% agree with him and 50% do not. He's saying that we're going to achieve herd immunity by the end of April. How is that possible? It's not. He's wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not. You have a disease that's so infectious, you have to have 75% of the population with immunity before you can have herd immunity. Now we have a variation that's twice as infectious, so we're up to 87% of the population before the math works out. And we're not certain that if I get vaccinated, maybe I can still spread it. Even though I'm not gonna get sick with it, I might still be able to spread it. So where he comes up with his herd immunity by April, it's just, it's not based on any science or math that I'm aware of. Yeah, I think and part I of what he was saying was that, he, that, that three quarters of the country's had it. So, you know, that is, is kind of where he's coming from. So between the yeah. vaccine and that, he's saying that he feels there like- There has been both. a remarkable turn within the last month, even with the amount of vaccines that have been administered and, and through most of the elderly population. But we're seeing a combination of people that have had COVID versus vaccines coming together for this real aha moment of inching towards herd immunity. Am I yeah. over the target? Well, I mean, we just had, it's been strange because they've said, you know, I mean, like earlier in the summer, uh, July 4th was a big spike. Then Labor Day weekend was a big spike. Mm -hmm. And you had all these things that were big spikes. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, uh, Governor Polis was like, man, we're going to go into the holiday season. We're going to shut this stuff down for a little bit. We saw no spike after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We saw no spike after Christmas. Mm -hmm. We saw no spike after, after the they opened restaurants mm -hmm. uh, January 4th at 25%. Mm -hmm. And we dropped 75% four weeks after we opened restaurants. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I get, I, I, so part of me is, you know, we handled this wrong. We just drove people into small spaces at home with no masks and stuff like that, as opposed to being in more open spaces. Um, certainly, California, I don't understand no outdoor dining and driving people inside. But, um, but I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? Because it, it seems, is it just coincidence that this happened? Well, there, there's so many factors, and, and the post-game analysis of this is going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. There'll be more PhDs made on the post-game analysis of this than any other thing in our lifetimes. But I think there are a number of factors. One factor is on Thanksgiving, the universities went home and haven't come back. And I think that bringing kids from all over the country into a university setting and having them spill off into the community is a huge way to get this virus going. And if you look in September, we had almost nothing happening. Universities opened, it did this, and, and it kept going up until they went home for Thanksgiving and now it's gone. How much of this is simply the university might be all of it. How much of this is people falling out of denial and starting to wear masks? Now, what's the percentage of people wearing masks now compared to four months ago? I'm not sure, but it certainly could be. When you look at, once again, the math behind mask wearing, there's studies now suggesting these people who wear double masks may get 97% of protection. If that's true, if that 97% protection from double masks is true, if all of us wear a double mask for two weeks, this virus disappears. Mm. If all of us wear a single mask for four weeks, eight weeks, this virus disappears. 
So there are so many factors. I don't think we can pin it down and say, this is what did it, this isn't what did it. At the end of the day, I'm so relieved to see these numbers coming down. At the end of the day, I'm so relieved to see some of my vulnerable patients getting protection that, that you know, I'm almost to the point that I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, we're moving in the right direction. This is a good thing. Mm -hmm. you know, and and I, I, I heard it yesterday for the first time, and I believe it's true that the CDC is going to say once you're vaccinated and you're among people who are vaccinated, you don't have to worry about masks because the risk of making each other sick is so infinitesimally small at that point that it's a done deal. But this, this is a much more optimistic position we're in now than we were a month ago. Well, we didn't have any flu, right? And we had, we had all this, people aren't really getting sick. I, I imagine a lot of that has to, I, that has to do with the mask more than even the COVID stuff. You know, I mean, the, you know, to have such a low rate of flu, and I get that it didn't, I know a lot of times, you know, when I read about it, it says flu starts in the Southern Hemisphere and it kind of comes up to the Northern Hemisphere and they were all quarantined, that didn't happen. But I have to, I have to assume that wearing masks is an effective way to, to, to fight off uh, seasonal and disease. All, all respiratory diseases yeah. can be protected by, you know, if my mask doesn't protect me from the flu, mm -hmm. we've had studies of nurses taking care of patients in the hospitals, the nurses wearing masks don't protect them from the flu. But the person with the flu wearing a mask protects the people around them. Mm. Very similar to COVID. Very similar to COVID. Maybe with more double mask with the flu that would help. I don't know. But but yes, we've had a very very light flu season. I've seen a couple of patients with influenza A or influenza B, but no no season, no big flu season. So yeah, I, I think our behavior to control COVID is control the flu. Um, but COVID is going to be with us. I don't think I don't see COVID disappearing. No. I think COVID is a disease I'll be treating the rest of my career. And I'm just looking forward to the day that it's just another disease. It's not the disease that's shutting this country down. But what's your opinion? I mean, should we still be wearing? I mean, should should we still be wearing masks in in big? You know, next year it, this time. Yeah, next year at this time, going through the airport uh, when you're elbow to elbow in line for Christmas, going home the holidays, should you have a mask on? I don't think so. I think wow. when every okay. when everyone who wants a vaccine mm -hmm. has had a vaccine, I think it's time to take off the masks. And there's, there's a herd immunity argument to be made there that if while I'm still having some level of immunity, I get re-exposed, I might be keeping my immunity up. There may be actually a value once we have achieved yeah. a level of immunity for everyone who wants to get it. You go ahead and let yourself get re-exposed and keep your immunity active. But I'm, I'm glad you're saying that because I hadn't, I hadn't had a pimple in 20 years. And <laughs> wearing these masks, I kept getting pimples. <laughs> so my, my, my lobby is that in Hurt August, my love life, Doc. When, in August, when everyone who's wanted a vaccine gets a vaccine, masks are gone. That's my vote. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as national policy. But once everyone who wants a vaccine gets a vaccine, I fail to see what masks are adding to the, to the mix at that point in time. I think it's time for them. Okay, so here's until, the until then, even though I'm immune, I'm wearing a mask. I'm not going out without a mask for two reasons. Number one, I might still be contagious. Number two, I we need to do this as a group. There's a social obligation here. Let's all pull together until this thing is gone. And if we all pull together, this thing will be gone in a hurry. My fear is we see that go down, everyone gets optimistic. We all throw our wear masks early and go back to where we were in early December. That's my biggest fear. 
Yeah, but we have so many people traveling to Mexico and going to Cancun and Playa and Cabo. And Florida. And Florida <laughs> and anywhere in the south. They're not wearing masks. Actually, you're to be surprised. There's on, on the planes, they are. Yes, on the in planes. the airports, they are. Yeah, not in the clubs. <laughs> not in the clubs. But the, there are spreader events happening in the clubs. Right. There mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And so as long as there are spreader events happening in the clubs, we are continuing this, this process. Mm-hmm. And I'm not as concerned about the person going to the club as I'm concerned about their mom yeah. or their grandpa. Right. And that's, that's, why the, that's why the vaccinations for those over 70 is so important, right, and those immune compromised. Yeah. And, uh, yep. the, yeah, the last I had, I had uh, heard from Governor Polis was that 78% of ICUs were people over the age of 70. And if we can get yep. that, that uh, segment of the population vaccinated, then we could start talking about opening things up. So on that yep. note, the hot topic in restaurants um, is distancing and mm-hmm. the six-foot distance rule. Because whether you're at 50% or 100% occupancy, your numbers don't really change in a restaurant because you have six-foot distancing. Typically, a table is three to three and a half feet apart. So if you have six-foot distancing and they say you're at 100% occupancy, you're really at 50% mm-hmm, occupancy. Mm-hmm. So the restaurants, our industry, um, is, is starting to lobby now for, you know, as we, as, as we start seeing better numbers, you know, reducing this six-foot uh, number. Because, you know, and, and a lot of doctors I've talked to, a lot of scientists I've talked to, we did an airflow study uh, with, uh, with engineers and, and, and scientists and, uh, and health department experts, and they're saying that's an arbitrary number. What's your opinion? Mm, good question. It's absolutely an arbitrary number. You it's absolutely arbitrary. The, the, it's, you know, the further apart, the better. But if you're in a closed space, to think that this, look, this water particle is not going to get from one end of the closed space to the other, we're kidding ourselves. It does. So it provides some value. It doesn't really provide ultimate protection. We have the place ventilated, it'll provide ultimate protection. But being in a closed space is always a risk. It just is. Yeah, there's no safe isn't the right word, right? Safe isn't the right word. There's always a risk, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, So safer is the right word. Here's my proposal, though. As the vaccines start coming out, if I can walk into a restaurant and show them my vaccination card that had both my vaccines, I ought to be able to sit anywhere I want and, and, and feel safe about doing it. And so how about having, instead of a smoking section and a non-smoking section like we did in the old days, we have a vaccinated section and a non-vaccinated section, and the vaccinated section is just normal seating. The non-vaccinated section will keep people apart and keep the fans on the stuff. And so we can gradually increase restaurants back to normal seating as people who use restaurants get their, their, get their card. So, so you have restaurant employees, you've got folks over 70, you've got immune compromised. I kind of feel like every kid under the age of 30 has had it at this point because they've been partying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, right. yeah, right. So, you know, what's the danger of getting it a second time if you've already had it? Because it feels like a lot of people have had it. You know, we did, you know that we did this testing center, right? I just saw, so we've had, um, you know, our numbers are about on par. I mean, we've done about a thousand, a little over a thousand tests. And we're at, uh, I think, like 4.7% positivity, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Doctor, you know. just, a, just a couple more for you. I know you got to get back. Yeah. Um, so my mother, fully vaccinated, had the, uh, yep, and my father right. as well in Florida. Are they bulletproof? They, when you look at the studies, 95% reduction in clinical illness, 100% reduction in mortality, 
and essentially 100% reduction in hospitalization. That's as good as you get. There's, there's nothing beats that. So they're, they're, they're as close to bulletproof as you can get. Yeah. Is there an aha moment to where there's a date or a marker or a point or a flag that goes up to where it says, okay, everybody, burn your masks, take them off, go out. What's the barometer, doctor? I will give you my opinion on that barometer. My opinion is that when everyone who wants a shot has access to a shot and can get a shot and has immunity, so 10 days after their second shot, it's time for the masks to, to be gone. And I'm hoping that more people get the shot because this can be a very ugly disease. You know, the frequency of it being an ugly disease gets less and less as we get younger. Full disclosure, Doc, I'm 50-50 on it, man. Well, tell me. Yeah, I've had a hard, I I, I don't know why I haven't been, I haven't seemed, I've been in, I was in Tulum at um, Art With Me and I wore my mask and I did all my stuff that I was supposed to do. My partner that I was there with got it. We slept in the same bed for six days. I never got it. You know, all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, do I want to shoot metal and formaldehyde and all that kind of stuff into my system uh, and do it when I don't seem to be getting it? Uh, I get the antibody tests all the time. I test twice a week. I follow really good protocol. Um, So, and part of me is like, look, at the end of the day, if they're telling me I can't go to Europe, I'm going to get it. But I've never got a flu shot in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those people that I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm just like... I'd rather everybody else get it before me. And there's a lot more of you out there like There's a that. lot of me out there. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, Feel I'm Feel free to tell me I'm stupid, by the way. <laughs> and way, I'm happy there are people like you out there so that my kids can get the vaccine someday, too. So if you turn it down, there'll be one more dose for my kids. But, but you know, there are 22-year-old people who have blood clots in their lungs and blood clots in their brains from this disease. Um, it, it can be a horrible disease at all ages. It's a lot more common as a horrible disease when you're 70 than when you're 40, but it can be a horrible disease at any age. And, and the vaccine has turned out to be remarkably safe. You know, we, we say it's been rushed. Yeah, it's been rushed, but we now have 40 million people in this world who've had the vaccine and we're checking them out. They're in a 40 million person study right now and we're looking for side effects. The incidence of repeat infection is pretty low. Incidence of repeat infection is very low. Yeah. It exists, but it's very low. It's, it's just noise. Mm-hmm. And the people who get repeat infections usually don't get horribly sick. Some, you know, there's exceptions, but I don't think the repeat infections are our problem. Our problem is getting that first level of immunity. And I'd rather get it with a needle in my arm than from being sick and running the risk of mm-hmm. not only dying, but the number of people who have long-term sequelae of this disease and the, sh- the crap that happens with this disease is pretty amazing. Your immune system, your autoimmune system goes crazy. There was a study out just yesterday looking at autopsy results of people who died from COVID, and they find megakaryocytes in their brain. Megakaryocytes are supposed to be in your bone marrow and make platelets. These cells let the bone marrow migrate to the brain and are clogging up the arteries in the brain. This disease sucks. You don't want this disease. All right, you so just get it. You're telling me just get it. All right, I'm listening to you. You're the doc. I'm going to get it. You that, changed my mind. There right it is. There you brought him over the fence. 50, you brought 50. me over the fence. But what does this say about vaccines in the future? We just got this stuff out in nine months. 
Now, I, I, I was in consulting before, and most of my consulting background is in financial services, but the last two years was in life sciences. And we helped yeah. companies get product to market quicker. And they get a patent, and it's 17 years, right? And yeah. you go through trial, pre-trials, and then you go through your clinical trials, and then you go through your FDA approvals or whatever approvals, you know, and then you right. have to do all your compliance work. And, you know, you may get the drug out year seven to 10, right? And then you have exclusivity for seven years and that's where you make all your money because it takes a billion dollars in research to get Viagra out, exactly. right? So at right. the end of the day, what I want to know is like, is this a scam? <laughs> I mean, these guys are, I mean, it's a lot of money that we're talking about. No wonder why our drugs are so high. We're, we're, we're you know, I mean, would our, would our cost of drugs go down significantly if we could reduce the amount of time and reduce the exclusivity portion that pharma companies have to put out things like vaccines. You mean cut through bureaucracy? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So the, actually, that, that's a very valid thing. And, and if you got a couple of hours, I can take, give you a little <laughs> But here's the thing with the mRNA, mRNA vaccines. It seems like we brought these out in nine months. Turns out these vaccines have been studied for 20 years. They have been working on mRNA vaccines to treat the common cold, also known as coronavirus but no one could get excited about a new type of vaccine to treat the freaking common cold. And so it never got traction. Oh, you're going to all the conspiracy theorists. I'm hearing them right now after listening to you. I know. It'll be no. on Coast to Coast but, Radio tonight. But the same spike protein that the coronavirus that gives a common cold has, the coronavirus that kills us also has. And so they had done 20 years of research leading towards a vaccine mRNA to make towards a spike protein. What this disease did is accelerated that and funded that. We started throwing billions of dollars to these companies, but most of the work was already done. They knew how to do it. Let's just stack mm -hmm. these nucleotides on top of each other. Let's make the protein we need to make and see if this doesn't do it. And it worked. We got lucky. So is the common cold going away with the coronavirus vaccine? It'll probably go down dramatically. You don't hear this on the news because it's distraction. It will probably reduce dramatically. Yeah. Mm. Last one for you, we'll let you go. Dr. William Blanchett, Boulder Internal Medicine. Okay, uh, pre-COVID, I was planning a Wilt Chamberlain-style orgy party. Can I get in my calendar and schedule that party sometime in the summer? August 20th. What's that? Doc, don't worry about it. <laughs> Only one person showed up to that. Because we're playing social distancing. So you don't even have to worry I about can it. I promise you that. That's right. Who's going? Just me so, and you, Juan. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you what's not happening. <laughs> Doctor, so, thanks for your time right. as always. It's good to see yeah. that smile on your face. Right, Doc. And next time we talk Thank to you, you. Hope check in with us this week, Doc, because all this information you just gave us, I don't want these companies getting a little nervous without you uh, dropping all this knowledge on the public. I know. It. You know what I'm saying? So, that, yeah. He's the best so of the best. So make sure you're safe. And we're opening up a restaurant in Boulder in April, Ashkara. So I know you're on a diet. It's Mediterranean food, salads, and hummus, it. and the whole thing. I want to feed your I'm staff, there. okay? I'm there. All right. I'm yeah. vaccinated. I can be there. Are you vaccinated? I'm vaccinated. Bravo. Yes, Boom. Okay. Dr. Right. William Blanchett, thank you so much. Juan, what a show. Yeah, man. It was awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. Love having you here. That was fun. He's a As fascinating always. guy to talk to. This gentleman that walked in, he'd probably be like, Greg, don't say that. Tom Martino's here with us. He's a broadcasting living legend, truly a, a centerpiece and a gem of the Denver market. Been longest running show here in Colorado or beyond, Tom. Country. In longest the country, is that right? Show in the, it's a troubleshooter show. And you're from show. New York. 
So my high, one of my high school teammates was from Upper State New York named Tony Martino. Yep, played at Brown University after the gunnery, yeah. So. Probably a million Tony Martinos. I don't and, know, maybe. And Tom Martino. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk to Tom, and I have to thank you so much. Yeah, uh, good to be back, Yeah. but um, definitely the uh, Where Juan Eats will continue. Sure, let me know. Thank you so much. Good to see you, brother. There it is. Be good. Uh, Juan Padro, Greg Holland back for Jay Parker, the whole cast and the crew. <laughs> Taking off right away. Oh, you, oh, I thought you, you were kicking me off. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the whole cast and crew, got to thank Jay Parker, does such a great job. Uh, today, just to do a little recap, Emily Griffith Culinary, quick yep. start, got to thank Chef Jake, uh, Chef Blake and Chef Marcus. Yes. We also have Chef Jeff Jabot that's here with his Hesher food truck. It's been a while since I've eaten his food. Awesome. Earthy. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say it one more time. That is one of the best sandwiches in Denver, that brisket sandwich. You need to figure out where. Hey, where do they find your truck? Social media. Yeah, but what is it? What's the social media? Awesome. We've got to pump that out. Our friend Brewer Brissett. Brissett. Uh, thank you, Ursula Brewing Company. Go down there and take a look at that. Uh, who am I missing? Anybody? Uh, Dr. William Blanchett. Yeah, Dr. Blanchett. Oh, and then Troy Gard for coming on the yeah, show today. Tro Chef yeah, Troy Gard Troy. and the COVID bandit who yeah. unloaded I mean, like we, seven grand. How can we? Yeah. I'm going to either step. do a pizza joint with three employees. Somebody can Or a high-end steakhouse. Oh, I'm going to go to a high-end steakhouse. And <laughs> I walk 20. in, it's 10,000 square feet in his... 200 employees. <laughs> Great show. We'll see you back on Wednesday right here, 2 p.m. The Modern Eater Show will continue. Uh, thank you again so much. All right, man. All right, we'll you. be back Wednesday, right. 2 p.m. Yeah. The Modern Eater Show continues.